Welcome to the Galen Trombley Show. You can find me on Facebook at Galen Trombley, on Instagram at Galen Trombley, and on YouTube at Galen Trombley. Spelling G-A-E-L-A-N-T-R-O-M-B-L-E-Y. Enjoy the show. Welcome to the Galen Trombley Show. You can talk about your stargazing party, party uh, or whatever. Perfect. So, um, okay, Ed, welcome back to the uh, Gail Trombley Show, episode one forty. Ed, well, I don't know what number you were on. I probably have a foot back enough. I'll find you. But you came on. I'm was, always back. Yeah. It was great, and yeah. uh, I don't know. You're just, you're just fun to talk to. So, oh, thanks. And, and thanks. I and, and I think that you're you blow my mind with certain things, and I think we're going to talk a lot of space today because I had questions on space. There you go. And I figure you're the, you're coming my token space guy. Oh. Is there someone else that I should ask that's more t- more like hmm. knowledgeable in space than you? Hmm. There are a lot of guys in town that do fantastic stuff. There's a guy uh, named Mike Rector who uh, I think the last time I was on before was before uh, the big Neowise, the big comet Neowise thing that was happening. Right, right about that. time. It was right about that time. Yeah. So uh, once Neowise was in the sky, uh, Scott Brightwell, who you've had on before, uh, my friend. Uh, we were staying up at 3 a.m. Uh, to get pictures of Neowise in the in the morning sky, and so we got we had a couple of great days doing that kind of stuff. Uh, and then once it moved over to the evening, uh, it was a little bit difficult to find places where you could see it in town. So my son and I were driving around, and one night we were out on Cumberland Head, and the sun had just gone down, and we could see the comet. And there was just this guy standing by the water, and I said. Are you looking for the comet? And he goes, yeah, it's right over there. And just kind of this great, he had a voice for radio. He's great. He's a fun, really fun guy. Uh, works for Fujitsu, I think. Uh, and, and you uh, didn't know him at the time. I'd never met him before, but it's that it's that voice in the darkness that we talked about before where all of a sudden you have this voice in the darkness. Uh, my current job, we can talk about that too. My current job, I was a voice in the darkness for somebody. And then when she hired me to work the job I'm working now, she goes, you're the telescope guy. Just so, your voice. Yeah, yeah. She recognized my voice because we'd only ever met in the dark. So, um, <laughs> but this, so this guy is Mike. His name is Mike Rector, and he's uh, uh, ADK Astro uh, is his website, and he's on Twitter, and he's all over the place. Really? Okay. And he does, uh, yeah, he does sketches. Uh, so he does. Uh, he's a, he's a visual artist, and he, he uses telescopes and does these great sketches of the moon and celestial objects. And it just I just met him in the dark, looking at the sky. So when he pointed out, I mean, had he been looking for it? Is yeah. he just one of oh, these yeah. guys that's super knowledgeable and just like, I know exactly where this is going to be? No, he was out looking for it so he could do sketches and, and do photos. And he was and standing stuff. in the water? Uh, he was by the water, yeah. You know, um, that little beach over there on Cumberland Head. The <laughs> but it's just, that's how you meet people. When you get back in the car and my, <laughs> my son is like, Dad, you're talking to strangers. Yeah, I'm talking to strangers. Stranger danger. Yeah, there's no strangers at night when the, the stars uh, are the... out. <laughs> so... Um, so so he was he's kind of a guy that would be a good person to follow. Oh yeah, Mike Rector is so he's he's fantastic. He does sketches like artwork? Yeah, he does he does uh, pen and ink. Uh, so you start with a dark sheet of paper. I think he does it with the dark and then you use light pencils to draw in details in the star. Um, I've never watched him do it. He um, does it live? Like look at the uh, telescope? Yeah. 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 Really? Yeah, it's very cool. He just bought a new, he had a new telescope he ordered like a year ago, which he just had delivered that he's using now. Uh, but he was using my big scope while I was in Utah because he was waiting for his scope to come in. So how, do you know how he does it? Like how does he yeah. draw and look? Does he, I mean, I know this sounds 
No, no. Probably don't. But does he like, is he eye looking through it and then he looks down and draws it? Yes. Okay. Yeah, so it's not like just like doing it, like looking and just like hands motioning. That would paper. be super cool. I uh, thought like maybe this guy does that. Like yeah. almost like muscle memory. So yeah. he'll sit there, glance, go down and kind of have like a rough idea where it is. Right. So it's, yeah. a, it's a pretty close replica. Oh, he does beautiful work. Very I'll much. have to check him out. He was in Astronomy Magazine last month. There was a guy who wrote an article about doing moon sketches and it was a friend of his and said, hey, can I use your sketches? So he was published in Astronomy Magazine last month. And he's local. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. So my fascination, I mean, I'll be talking about space, but this is the thing I was... A couple things I was looking at, and, and I was actually, my wife and myself were out on our back deck yesterday mm-hmm. looking at the stars. Yep. And a couple, this is a few weeks ago. I Do you smoke cigars? No. Okay. I used to. I okay. So I, I, I usually smoke cigars like with friends or golf mm-hmm. tournaments or, yeah. or you know yeah. bachelor parties or whatever. So yeah. um, I had a buddy came in. Actually, one of the guys that works here, he came in, brought me a bunch of cigars. And he goes, try, he goes, don't share this one. He's like, which ones you can share and which ones you can't That's share. That's a cigar I mean, The good guy. ones are like, this, yeah. these are the ones you want to yeah. try. Hunting, so, hunting camp, we smoke cigars at hunting camp. That's a cigar guy. Yeah, yeah. so I went, had it, so I'm like, you know what? I'm going to bring it home. Everybody's going to go to sleep. I'm going to go sit on the back deck, mm-hmm. smoke a cigar. First time I've ever done it. It was great. So I was smoking a cigar and I was like looking up and it was cloudy. I was like, oh, I wish the stars were out. And mm-hmm. then all of a sudden, like magically, all of it, like it just like started. It just happens, yeah. It just happened. The clouds mm-hmm. were gone. All of a sudden, it was clear as could be. There was nothing up there. So, mm-hmm. of course, I'm like looking at the stars. And when you look at, like, again, you look up at the stars, it's just kind of a dangerous thing to do at times because then your mind starts wandering. And then I was looking at, you know, like the last night was the Big Dipper, but then it was just like looking at these stars and then realizing, because I had just looked at something. I'm a big uh, NASA guy when it comes mm-hmm. to, you know, like, I like looking at like the Instagram page of NASA because they have yep. all the write-ups <laughs> of what they have. Yeah. And the idea that there was something they showed, I don't know if it was a galaxy or what, it was 120 million light years mm-hmm. away. Okay. So... I hear 120 million light years. I'm like, no big deal. 120 million light years. And then I started thinking, we're sitting there. I'm like, how, what's the distance of a one light year to a human year? Oh, and okay. I, I, do you know what it is offhand? I do. Yeah. The, the, uh, a light year is a measure of distance. Mm-hmm. So the year is, is our year in terms of time. And it's the distance light will travel in one year. Um, so let me see. It's 186,000 miles per second is the speed of light. Uh, and so that's, that's, they, they've just discovered actually, they think that things can travel faster than the speed of light. There's some guys doing work with that now where there's particles that kind of disappear and reappear and they've actually traveled faster than that speed. But, uh, the nearest star system to us is Alpha Centauri and it's 3.6 plus or minus, uh, light years away. So as a measure, that's a measure of distance though. And that, that unit of measurement is called a parsec. Okay. Yeah, and I know my eyes cross whenever I think about this too. No, I, I like fascinating. I like looking up at the sky. Uh, a parsec it stands for parallax second, and it's before we had the the telescopes that could tell you know what what light was doing as it was coming toward us. You would look at an object, and where the Earth was in its orbit would that would tell you how you could tell how far away something is. So you were looking at it, and if you looked at it in March and you looked at it in August or September, mm-hmm. you've gone across the distance of Earth's orbit. Okay, so you're, so this is that's your baseline, and then it's just high school trigonometry. You say this is 196 million miles, and the star I'm looking at was to the left of where I was looking in March, and it's to the right of where I was looking in September. And that, that trigonometry, it's just math, uh, you can figure out how far away that thing is based on the distance that you've traveled around the earth. And it's just, it's crazy math. It's the basis of all that measurement. 
uh, but that the, the, being able to figure that out, I, I, those are the big brains. We is, love them. Is it is is it so? One hundred eighty six thousand uh, speed of light is what again? One hundred. I, I think it's one eighty six. Uh, 186,000 miles per second, I think. Okay, so... That number sticks in my head. No, I think you're right. So I ended up taking mm-hmm. that, and I don't know if this is simplistic mm-hmm. mind of mine. I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, 60 seconds. How, how long is that? A year. Right. So in a year, it ended up, I think it was... Or I guess I had to, I had to work my way back. Whatever the conversion right. was when I was doing it, it ended right. up, I think, coming to be around 37,000 years. Was a light year? Right, a long freaking way. Yeah. 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 Well, okay. like, what, the mm-hmm. light can travel in one year of light years. Right. If I'm saying that correctly, okay. yeah, yeah. it was about was about thirty seven thousand of our normal years. Okay, yeah, that sound about okay. Yeah, sound, I'll go with it. Okay, all right. So I was like looking at that. I'm like, so if this thing is a hundred and twenty, so back to my original mm-hmm. thing. Yeah, this if this galaxy or whatever it was is one hundred and twenty million light years away. Yeah, then I was like one hundred twenty million times thirty seven thousand or whatever that number is. I'm like, right. that's how many years it would take just to get to that and. That image that we're seeing is that old, meaning yeah. that the actual, um, like what's actually happening to that planet could they, that could have blown up at this point, right? Yeah, absolutely. That light left that planet when life first crawled out of the oceans on Earth. That's insane. And if you want to look at, yeah, it's crazy, and you can you can get lost in that. I have a lot of people that'll say, "I feel so small. I don't want to look at the sky because I feel so small." Yeah. And it's like, no, you're a part of that. Yeah. You know, this is you're doing this journey too. Well, and, and that was that was the thing that jumped out. Like mm-hmm. uh, Brightwell the other day said that the moon, or not the moon, sorry, the sun's light takes seven minutes to reach us. Yes, I think that's I think that's right. I'm not sure about the exact time, but if Scott said it, I believe everything Scott says. Yes, so. exactly. So, mm-hmm. so, but the idea he goes, Scott said, if it burned out, it would take yeah. us whatever time, but yeah. I think seven minutes to actually mm-hmm. for us to actually notice the sun's gone. Right. And then I was sitting there thinking, mm-hmm. if you're looking at, because I was talking to my wife, I was like, she goes, something about the sun. I said, the sun is the closest star. Mm-hmm. And I said, you got to think that the sun, like Mars, when you see Mars, looks mm-hmm. like a speck yeah. for the most part. Yeah. But the sun looks huge. But I'm like, the sun is much farther away than Mars is. Right. So I said, it's just the fact that that's how big the sun is, that you can yeah. still see it and get burned and mm-hmm. we live our lives around the sun which yeah, is puts so a lot away. of energy out yeah, yeah absolutely yeah. and then you look at like the you look at mars which seems that it would be farther away because i was telling her the moon i said the moon's not very big it's just close yeah yes, exactly so that's why it looks mm-hmm. and i know this is all simplistic stuff but no, like no, i'm no. sitting there like thinking about this i'm like it's just how, how long does it take mars to orbit the sun uh mars's orbit is i think in the 400 day range it's not okay. it's not two years but it's it's quite a bit longer than uh, than our years um and I, I just i wish my daughter my daughter's a camp counselor this year she's down at a girl scout camp at Eden lake and i'm just like hey viv and she'll be like and her, you'll hear her thumbs going and she just pulls data for me she's like you know she's like that the second fact checker yeah the fact checker and just the fact getter uh when we're talking about stuff like that uh mars is frequently further away from the sun than we are uh, because we both orbit the sun, and when Mars is on that side of the sun in its orbit, um, then that's called is that opposition? Yeah, when it when it's the brightest, it's going to be the most of it is lit up when the sun is between us and Mars. That was recently, right? Uh, yeah, every year, well, every two years for Mars. But yeah. we just had one. Mm-hmm. I think it was back in mm-hmm. winter or yeah. fall, late fall. Uh, late fall. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I remember mm-hmm. looking up and we could see it and it looked like really bright. And it was like, oh, you can actually see the red of the planet. And of course, I was trying to. Yeah. I think you took. I think you showed me like, te- or maybe you posted telescope yeah. photos of it. Yeah. Um, I took it with my handy dandy iPhone, and yeah, absolutely, it, like, it looked like just a speck. But yeah. Um, it, like there's one photo you sent me that was the moon, mm-hmm. 
that was so vivid. Oh yeah. yeah. Like it just like, it literally looked like you could grab it. It was the detail yeah. on it was incredible. Um, can you explain, I don't know if we talked about this. What is, when people talk about the dark side of the moon, right? What is the dark side of the moon? Cause does the, does oh, the sure. moon, does the yeah. moon rotate? Uh, the moon does not rotate anymore. No, it is. Okay. It is tidally locked. It's called. So the face of the moon that faces us with a little bit of, you know, perturbation is the word for it. So it's it's kind of that we were talking about parallax before. We were on one side of your orbit or the other. It lets you see a star in a different direction. So for the moon, uh, if I'm on, we'll call it the left side of the planet mm-hmm. when the moon is up, I'm looking at like, I'm still, I'm looking at 50% of the moon. I can see the face that's facing me, but that kind of moves around just a little bit depending on where I am on the planet. If it's the dawn and it's the evening, I think, and I'm going to say a number and everybody's going to call you and complain. I think it's like 54 or 55% of the moon we can see at any time. Okay. Um, the dark side of the moon is, uh, so the moon has a face that's always anchored to us. It's tidally locked, so it's because of the gravitational forces and everything that formed it. Uh, the moon's face is always going to point at us, but different parts of the moon are going to point at the sun. And my wife hates it when I explain this because she likes to look at things and I always get out my hands and a table lamp and I start moving the hands around. You can see the shadows, right? Like, this, see, I'm doing it now. Yeah. And it's radio. I have the fists of radio. <laughs> and uh, and so uh, the, sun, the sun is always going to light a face of the moon. Uh, but uh, the moon's day is... The moon's day is a month long, basically, uh, because the, the moon is in a different place in our side. So if you were on a spot on the moon and stayed there you would be in the dark for 15 days and you would be in the sun for 15 days because it's not it's not where you are from Earth. It's where the sun is in relationship to the moon. And Galen's look, face mm-hmm. looks exactly like my brain looks right now, if you're listening. It's, uh, it's a hard thing to get your head around. Yeah. I have to do it with my fists. There, you see the shadow over here? Yeah. Yeah, so, so this face is pointed towards Earth. And if I go like this, now this face is in the dark because the sun is still over here. You have to see this. We'll have to do drawings. Oh, is that okay? And right. Again, simplistic, yeah. but that's why mm-hmm. you see like a full moon versus no moon. Right. Exactly. Gotcha. What, you, what you're seeing for no Waning moon. Waning and waxing moons and all yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. And the and the no moon is very near the sun. Uh, so you're, the sun is lighting the side of the moon that is facing away from us. So the dark side of the moon is just what we can't see the naked eye. Yeah. Exactly. Have and, we ever put a person on the dark side? Uh, the Chinese just did. Uh, we've flown around it a couple of times. Uh, people have written songs about it. <laughs> yeah, uh, albums about it. So absolutely. If you, if you go around, if you mm-hmm. go around the moon, does it look always bright, or is it part? It's going to be dark. At some no, point? If you're, if the sun is, if the moon is between you and the sun, you'll be looking at the night. So night it could be lit up mm-hmm. a little bit. Um, how far is the International Space Station above us? It's in the hundreds of miles. It it varies because its orbit, uh, it, it kind of goes up and it's down, down in its orbit so it doesn't crash to Earth. It's going very fast and it's always kind of, it's it's constantly following around the planet. If, uh, if the Earth were to move in a straight line instead of around the sun and the ISS was to move in a straight line, it eventually would curve down to Earth. But because Earth is curved, it just keeps continually falling off the edge. Is I know. It, does it, have a, it must have a pole with the, the Earth. Uh, no? the the space station, yes, it's orbiting us. So, but I mean, yeah. so but it still has like a pole towards the Earth. Um, yeah, it, yeah, it'll go down. Uh, depending the atmosphere changes shape, uh, it, it's it's higher or lower. So sometimes there's an atmospheric effect there, and they have to maneuver the space station. They've been maneuvering it a lot in the last couple of years because of uh, debris. They're having to avoid garbage that's up there. 
So, um, and what's the speed that it travels? Uh, it's that's in the 17. See, I, I need my daughter. No, that's fine. Um, it's you, you, uh, can, you can look on your that's phone okay. if you need to. I, I, but it's, it's in the 14 or 15,000 miles an hour. It's uh, it's clipping right along. Uh, doesn't it circle the moon? Because you gave me the app. It circles mm-hmm. or it circles the Earth like every 20 every, something. Minutes. Every every 90 every 90 minutes it circles minutes, the Earth. Okay. Yep, yep. So if you can see it, if you see it at 5 p.m. bright in the sky, uh, and you're going to have the sun line up with it to show you a face of it, uh, it'll be 90 minutes later. It'll come back around. And it moves fast, almost like a shooting star. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, I think I've looked at it a couple times. You showed me the app, and I was like, mm-hmm. waiting for it. And then you, yep. you could see it's like, that's actually kind of trippy. Yep. Yeah, that's at NASA's ISS spotter page. It's really easy to use. That, so. that and then uh, when I was looking for the comet, because mm-hmm. they said where the comet would be, or maybe this was Mars, mm-hmm. one of the two. And I took out this like the app that you can like point at anywhere, right. in any direction. Like Stellarium just or something. All, yeah, it yeah, shows yeah. all the, the constellations. Mm-hmm. and then, mm-hmm. So then I kind of feel like I kind of know what I'm looking at. And then sure. you hit the stars and you hit the planets. And is Mars always, Mars is not always visible though. Uh, no, no. It, it can if it's close to the sun, we won't be able to see it. If it's up during the daytime, it's there. Uh, I have friends in Montreal who soon we're going to be able to go and see again uh, analog, um, and they like doing photography in the daytime because the planets are there. It's just when our sky is lit, all that light that's bouncing off of our atmosphere makes it hard for us to see stuff. But you can still um, see it. Yeah, yeah. I, I've seen Venus during the day before, and that's pretty cool. How many planets can we see? With the naked eye? Um, I have, well, with the naked eye, no telescopes, we can see out to Saturn. So it's uh, it's Mercury, Venus, uh, the moon, Mars, uh, Jupiter, and Saturn. And then beyond that? Beyond that, you can see Neptune and Uranus with uh, telescopes. Uh, usually go by the color because they're kind of starting to look like stars uh, at that point in terms of size. And they're very dim uh, because they're re- still reflecting. The light goes from the sun to them and bounces back to our eyes. So there, there's there's not a lot of light hitting them, but you can see them. Now, so when you look at like Mars, because mm-hmm. you, had, you had a decent photo. I think it was you that took yep. a, a decent photo of Mars. Like how... How big does Mars look when you look at it? Because then if you start looking at, like, again, Jupiter, mm-hmm. which is the next, yeah, Ju- right. Jupiter's next planet, like, yep. and Jupiter's obviously massive. Yeah. How does Jupiter look in a telescope versus Mars? Um, in terms of that, Mars is still small. Like Jupiter, Jupiter is huge. Mm-hmm. Um, so Mars is smaller. I kind of... Uh, my sisters were were sewing people, my wife and daughter sew. And so like there's there's big pins you put in things when you're making them. And Mars for me, the best I've ever, ever been able to image it, and that's with my most powerful eyepiece and my biggest telescope, it looks like the head of one of those push pins. So it, it's the size of a small BB. You know, it's when you look through. Yeah. When, when, when I'm looking at it. Yeah. When I'm looking through the lens, uh, when I really crank the magnification up and, uh, I know you're going to ask me, and I just did a mag table the other day for my telescope. Um, but when I crank my magnification all the way up, so I have a, a, a 3,000 uh, millimeter focal length lens. That's about seven feet where the light comes in and hits the mirror and comes back to the eyepiece. Um, and I'm looking at that, and then I put a, uh, a lens in which uh, magnifies that by a power of 40 and then I put another device in there that magnifies that by a power, a power of 80. I'm looking at like a... 400 X. So like a pair of binoculars with 400 X magnification. And we were able to see, uh, on a really super clear night in January, we were able to see, 
the dust storm. The, you could see enough of Mars to see that, oh, here's the red, and oh, the northern hemisphere is totally covered by a dust storm, and you could see a little variation in that color. That's you uh, through that telescope. Yeah, absolutely. Yep, and that's just naked eye stuff. Uh, the imagery that Scott takes, because he's he's really fantastic at shooting videos, and he layers all those frames up on mm -hmm. top of each other. That uh, allows you to uh, see the color, like the great photos you see in all the magazines. Uh, you can see the color uh, of those because you're taking so many of these frames, which have a little bit of color, and you're stacking them up on each other, and that gives you that that gives you the, the more definition. And with your eyeball, you're not getting that. So, uh, so what about Jupiter? If you were to look at Jupiter, how mm -hmm. does Jupiter relate? Uh, I, I mean, I know it's bigger, yeah. but because of the distance away, is it tough to... The biggest, I, the biggest I can get it is I think I've had it just about small pea-sized. Um, right, so you're looking. Bad. Yeah, you're looking at a pea on your table. You know, across yeah. the table from you. No, it's. I, we can get right out there. We can see the bands on it. Uh, we can see the great red spot. Uh, my favorite thing to do with it is uh, the four brightest moons of Jupiter. Uh, they are occluded, which means they go behind Jupiter from us. So you can watch those four bright lights there with Jupiter. Uh, sometimes there'll only be three, and that's because one of them is either behind the planet in its orbit, or it's crossing across the face. And I think it was Io was the last one I succeeded in. I was looking at it, and it was right about the time of the of the conjunction where Jupiter and Saturn were very close to each other mm -hmm. this past winter. Um, and I actually got to watch Io go right across. And you, I could see with my telescope, super clear air because it was super cold, you could see the shadow of that planet on the face of Jupiter. And that's and it was just I was looking at that, and that was kind of my falling into the sky moment. Right, you talked about that before, where you're looking at something and you're just like, "Oh my gosh!" And you're just kind of going out into space. Uh, and that was that for me when I can see something like that moving on something else, and it's like I know it's hundreds, hundreds, millions and millions and millions of miles away, and I can see that. That makes that makes me gives me oh, I got goosebumps right now. Yeah. You know? I, well, how? So how does? This is the other thing. Like, mm -hmm. how does magnification work? When in the idea of, I mean, obviously it magnifies, but like, how are we able to see? How are you able to sit there and magnify it where you can get that zoomed in? Right. And then when I look again at like the, um, you know, like the NASA, when you're, you're mm -hmm. talking about something that's 120 million light years away, right? And it's vivid, like the colors. Are, yeah. You can. I mean, I know it's still far away, but you mm -hmm. can still see so much detail to it. Like, how does that? How are we able to come up with like magnification? I know it like should right. probably a simplistic answer. Wow. No, but like, I, like to me, like mm -hmm. I can, okay, I get it. I can zoom in on something on my camera and zoom in, you know, what, whether it be 200, mm -hmm. uh, was it millimeters like in and zoom into this thing with a right. millimeter camera and like really zoom in. But at that point, like I'm zooming in on something I can still see with the naked eye. This right. is stuff we can't even fathom. Right. And you're just zooming in and able to see a pea size of Jupiter. Right. Well, and that, again, that's a, a it's, the color images that you're seeing are, are it's basically a stack of images so there's a thousand exposures of that galaxy mm -hmm. right that's that's out there 127 million light years uh there's a, there's a stack of exposures of that and each of them is very very faint but if you line them up and you stack them on top of each other and get them all lined up then that's every time you do that, you're doubling the light you're seeing. So it's just a blank. It's a picture, a blank picture of space, maybe with dots of light on it. And then the next one, they're brighter. And then the next one, they're brighter again. And the more images you stack, even though it's that same little infinitesimal amount of light, when you're looking at it repeated thirty-seven thousand times, who knows? You know how many stacks, how many stacks those images are. That 
is where you start to see that detail and the great stuff. A Jupiter, you don't need it because there's a lot of light coming off of Jupiter. Um, you, well, the pictures I sent you, I think I sent, might have sent you a you Jupiter. You sent me a lot of cool ones. ones. Yeah. yeah. Um, and those are all shot with a standard. Uh, I was using an iPhone. Now I'm using a, a Motorola. Um, and I've got a rack that holds the, the camera basically where my eyeball would be on the on the lens. And you can do it with any telescope. Uh, it's the more telescope you have, the more light you gather. So that's those little dark pictures. Uh, and the more light you're gathering is more versions of that dark picture. So you're getting more light that's being focused in those lenses and being focused to where your eye can use it. Did that answer your question? Because a little bit, this yeah. gets This gets a little ephemeral for me, it, right? Um, it's just, it's kind of the, for me, it's the looking and saying, oh, look, there's a thing. And then uh, when you say, how does that work? I have an idea of how it works for me, but I'm really very much a, a carpenter style astronomer yeah uh, well know. i mean it's just it's it's always fascinating when i see these photos that are I, mm-hmm. they're so far away and yeah. i'm like how can we zoom out that far into space and see those yeah. which is awesome that we can yeah. but it's, it's like incredible when you start to see that distance away and like right and the fact that the, the universe the universe mm-hmm. is bigger than the galaxy right yeah. i know yeah. we talked about oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. so the mm-hmm. universe yeah. is just infinitely expanding mm-hmm. so it's yep. always like that one that's 120 million light years away right who knows how far away that is now right right well and the technology it it's it's a technological answer they're finding ways to be more sensitive uh like when they were first taking pictures of these galaxies they were using film you know like actual i'm going to make an exposure i'm going to expose this piece of photographic film and then i'm going to develop it in such a way that brings out that detail um, and now that when, like you and I, basically with our cell phones, we can take 10,000 pictures of that, you know, and just shoot a video of it and then use a program to stack that video up. So our technology is increasing to where that little dot of light, um, you can see more of those little dots of light. Like the, the imager, I've got, a, I've got a Motorola G7 here. Uh, I don't get paid. No for case a, on it, by the way. No case on it because I'm crazy. Um, the uh, <laughs> <He's> <laughs> stressed, I got anxiety, but that's all right. <laughs> he does actually. He's been twitching every time I pick it up. Um, and I don't get sponsored by Motorola or Stellarium or any of those guys. Right? They're just this is just the gear I use. Um, that imager, uh, that imager is approaching the quality of the cameras they used to follow the Apollo missions to to the moon, and the cameras they used to follow those Apollo spacecraft in space were like 14 feet long. And now you've got it on the little lens of your cell phone. It's incredible. Uh, yeah. And so every time they, they create a technology that gives you more pixels, more scanning pixels per whatever, you know, it's, it, and for me, it's, it's technique because I really like to look with the naked eye. Um, that the more the, that technology improves, that lets us see farther and farther. Uh, there's a great uh, telescope called the Chandra X-ray telescope that uh, it, it's shooting, obviously, in the X-rays, not visible light. And so if you have something like the Whirlpool Galaxy, which I, I've, I've never been able to image, but it's right up there. If you're looking toward the Big Dipper, you can find it. And the Whirlpool uh, in X-ray becomes this beautiful purple blossom. It's this crazy, beautiful thing. Naked, naked eye, it's great. But once you start looking at these things in different ways, either infrared, so they're what the heat they're emitting, or the x-rays they're emitting, they're all ways that we could look at these things where uh, for Galileo or whoever, uh, it was just a swirl of black and white in the sky. And now we're looking at this thing and we can see depth and we can see structure and we can see planets being formed and it's crazy. I wonder what a guy like Galileo would think now if you transport him today with all the technology. Like it would just blow his mind. I mean, I think I think it would. Yeah, I mean, obviously he had a, a massive love for it, but mm-hmm. then you think about, man, he would have really appreciated what we can see now. And I'm sure whoever the people are now 
500 years from now will be like, man, yeah. I wish we would have had that technology. Yeah, we, we might, if we were to go back with our technology, we'd probably be burned as witches. But, uh, yeah, yeah, you true. know, and I think he would look at it and say, uh, I don't know, I, I, don't, I, I don't channel Galileo that much, but I think if, if Galileo were to come back and watch some kid outside looking at his cell phone, looking at the sky, he would slap him right on the back of the head. <laughs> it's like, yeah, don't look, look at, at that, look up in the air, yeah. you know? The, uh, <laughs> now, what, what if, what is, if, if, okay, so if the universe mm-hmm. is expanding, yep. <laughs> what is beyond the universe? Oh man, oh there you go. Like, is this like a, I mean, obviously people have said this, but like, if it's expa- what is it expanding into? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like we just uh, don't know the it's- multiverse. Yeah, you know, it's uh, I I have no idea. I love I love the comic book explanation of it. It's you know we're just a moat in a a big matrix that is on the a hair on the top of Homer Simpson's head. There's really no telling what it is, you know. <laughs> Uh, the Simpsons also don't sponsor me. Uh, you know, it's, there's, there's no telling. It's just, it's going out. And are we looking out super far? You know, are we going to look out far enough to, if you're a Christian, see the face of God? Don't know. What, um, have you ever seen the, uh, so this is the other thing I was going to ask. Like, so mm-hmm. Spider-Man. Yeah. Have you ever seen Into the Spider-Verse? Yeah. 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 So we talk about the multiverse and like mm-hmm. all these like spider people. So yeah. then I was, so then I was, uh, listening to Neil deGrasse Tyson Mm-hmm. And he was talking about the idea that there could be a Galen and Ed talking in another universe <laughs> yep. about whatever. Yeah. Like, and, and then I started like, I'm like, wait, is that true? I'm like, I, I totally believe that could happen because yeah. I think this is massive. But it's like, you start thinking about, is there, um, what, what is that? Um, is it that quantum theory? Is mm-hmm. that the, that's yeah. the term? Yeah, that's, that's part of it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, the, so then I'm like sitting there thinking, like one, that's trippy. And then two, could there be more people out there? that are similar or having the same experience. But then the other thing, which I got turned on to recently, which I'm like, there's a lot of truth to it. It's the Mandela effect. <laughs> yep. Which do you know the Mandela yeah, effect? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. So, so the Mandela effect is the idea that the, like there's stuff that we perceive to be true. That's not actually true. But then so the idea is that is there another universe where it happened and happened across us and like yeah. this weird like parallel if you've never seen spider-man into the spider-verse which is a <laughs> yes. trippy like little it's like yes. a kid show i love i love spider-man it's like it really simplifies it down to like an mm-hmm. elementary level and then you're kind of like i kind of get it in a yeah. cool superhero way so the mandela effect the one that was the there's two that were the the ones that caught me off guard right because i looked it up i'm like what's some mandela yeah. stuff they picked mm-hmm. out and the whole idea was something about the, like the idea that Nelson Mandela died in prison, but he never did. He's still he's still right. alive, but then he passed. He's right. passed since. But yep. So the two that threw me off. Number one was I thought this my entire life. Mm-hmm. The actor Sinbad. Okay, right. Do you know Sinbad is? I know Sinbad. Do you know where I'm going with this? No, I don't. I'm, okay. I'm really intrigued. Okay, so Sinbad. He doesn't come up that much in conversation. No. So, that's so nice. the only thing I knew from Sinbad, <laughs> besides he's like kind of like a class, or was it a, D, a D-list com- comic maybe? Yeah, it's yeah. a C-list maybe. He was big for a while, yeah. And was the idea that I'm like, he was in a genie movie mm-hmm. called Kazam. Yeah. That's not true. Or no, really? no, sorry, sorry. A genie movie called Shazam. Oh no, that was Sinbad. That's no, not true. No, Shaquille O'Neal was in Kazam, <laughs> yep. which I also knew. But for the longest time, I was like, "Oh, Sinbad." And I, I had this thought mm-hmm. a couple years ago because he was doing a show at a place I was at, and I was like, yep. "It was a comic show." And I'm like, "Oh, I'm like, oh, Sinbad's coming in a couple weeks." Like, I have at least heard of him because some of the right. guys didn't know. I'm like, yeah, he was in that genie movie Shazam, <laughs> and, and then I found out, and they're like, "That's actually not a movie." So I'm like, yeah. "You sure?" So I'm looking up, and a bunch of people are like. Yeah, there was a movie called Shazam with Sinbad. Like, no, that yeah. never existed. Yeah, and even to this day, I'm like, 
I remember watching a movie. Mm-hmm. This is the Mandela effect. That yeah. it's not actually true. And like, but for some well. reason, well, <laughs> according to like every like I guess people that should know, it's mind's not true. blown. Yeah. And then the other one, there's a ton of stuff that popped up, and like one of them was, um, is it sex in the city or sex and the city? I think it's sex and the city. It's sex it? and the city. Oh, yeah, and okay. I asked, so I asked my wife. I said, is it sex in the city or sex in the city? She goes, sex in the city. Mm-hmm. And then I asked Nick, who works here, and she's a big fan of the show. I've never right? seen it, but she's a big fan. She goes, no, it's sex oh, and okay, the city. Okay, Galen, yeah. I believe you. Yeah. So she was. I know there's a. <laughs> I know from a couple people that there's mm-hmm. there's a guy named Big in the show. Yeah, Mr. Big. Mr. Yeah. Big. Okay. Yeah. So that Chris, Chris Noth is the actor. Yeah. It's hilarious. Who ran into a friend of mine in the airport, and she, and that was basically she told me about that, and that was that was the end of the story. She's like, "Do you know this guy?" I'm like, "I don't know who he is, but I trust yep. you." The other Mandela effect, one, at the end of, and I like Queen. At the end of, we are the champions. Mm-hmm. Does Freddie Mercury say of the world? Mm. The last line in the the song. Okay, you tried to make me sing last time. I'm not going to do it. Um, <laughs> See, here's so here's my personal Mandela effect is that 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 scenario, that alternate reality is going to be rolling in my head all freaking day now until I listen to the song. I couldn't tell you right at this moment. Do you have a gut instinct as to which one it would be? I think. uh, I think it's of. He does say it. Okay. It is of. Are you saying that he does say it? I'm saying he does. No, no, no. So, so, so he goes. We are the champions of the world. So the Mm -hmm. the last line says, "Like we are the champions," and then he holds it and he goes, "Of the world." Mm -hmm. That's my that's my recollection. Me too. Yeah, never said it. Not happening. Never said it. And I'm like, this is no. I I have it on my phone. I know. Like I like Queen. I'm like I've heard a song. Oh, it just fades out. It just fades out. (gasps) So I went back in and I played it and I went to the end. I'm like, he 100% says it. And then literally it's like, we are the champions of, he goes, we are the champions. I'm like, here it is. And it just fades out. (laughs) I'm like, wait, it's almost like something in my life just got pulled out and they're like, no kid, he doesn't actually say this. That's right. What just happened? Yeah, there's that baseline. And it it just, it literally just fades right out. And I was like, (laughs) and as soon as I listened to it, I'm like, I am, I'm not living in like, am I even a real person? Like I got freaked out at that moment. Cause I'm like, the Sinbad thing. I'm like, the Sinbad, that's true. It has to be true. Right not true yeah now so there's there's that mandela effect in your head though isn't it i mean it, it, it's in its purest form you're like did i do that did i not do that and and for me where i get caught up especially stargazing is that i need to remember that no matter how cool this stuff is i still and this is this sounds really stupid i know but i do it every time i still have to be wearing pants when i do a star party I can't go out there and say, oh my God, kids, Mr. Brightwell's the sun and we're going to go out to Pluto. And then everybody's looking at my knees because I'm so wrapped up in this Mandela that I left my pants at home. You know, I can't, I can't, it doesn't drive me. No, it's never happened before. (laughs) But now I worry about that. It's someplace in the multiverse. There's a place where I'm doing star talks with no pants on. Uh, hopefully I'm wearing a kilt. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, and it's, and so, and so, you know, I, I've had people just shake me and say, you must watch this podcast. You must do this. You must do that. And it's like, are you wearing pants right now? Cause that's, what's important. Have you eaten today? Uh, you know, and so event, there is a place where you haven't eaten. There's a place where you're so exhausted and excited by the Mandela effect that you starved to death, uh, in the multiverse someplace. There has uh, to be. Yeah, there has to be. Well, I it's hope like, it's not the one where but I But it's am. like deja vu. Yeah. When deja vu happens, mm-hmm. you're like, wait, yeah. this has happened before. I'm like, has it happened before? Yeah, that direct feed. Uh, that's something that Gina and, and my wife, Wendy, are really good at when, when we start. They're like, no, that didn't happen. They're, they're, they're our reality matrix. It's, 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 uh, the, it's almost <laughs> like you question your existence. Like, yeah. is that? Yeah. There, there's plenty of times where something will happen. I'm mm-hmm. like, I, I did do that, right? Yeah. And I'm sitting there to backtrack and I'm like, 
I don't know. And I can't like find it. I'm like, I swear to God, I yeah. like, I put it there. I did that. It, whatever it might be. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. Finding my keys. Oh, it's, it's, it's awful. Yeah. It's just weird. Like, and I started like thinking about that and a friend of mine, she told me about this and, uh, I, I was just blown away. Cause I like, I'd never, I kind of think I had heard of it, but I didn't know what it was. Right. And she goes, no, t- try it out. And she asked me a couple questions and I was like, Saying stuff, she goes, no, never happened. I'm like, wait, what? And then I started looking it up, and I'm like, this is insane. And that was the Sinbad one, and then the Queen one really got me because I've like Sinbad yeah. was one of like I re- like I remember quote unquote right. as a kid, obviously not a good memory, but right. then the well Queen, for that, yeah, for that, and then yeah. Queen, I was like, I know this. He 100 percent says that. Yeah, nope, and it fades out. I'm like, I don't think I've ever heard it just fade out. Like in my mind, I thought right. I always just said it, and maybe it's right in there. Yeah. So it's it, that that's kind of the trippy thing. So now the other thing I, I learned. Have you seen Interstellar? Yes. Yes, I have. You know where I'm going with this? I, no, I don't, but I, I love the movie. I've never, I've never seen yeah. it. But Gina, oh, my oh, goodness. But yeah. my, so my, my Gina, G, G-E-N-A. That's right. So I, Gina's, I was saying Gina. I was talking Brightwell. about Gina Brightwell, and you and you just kept blinking at me. I'm like, oh, that's right. There's no, I think my movie. eye's twitching. I may have had too yeah. much caffeine today. But <laughs> G, um, no, so, so G-E-N-A, Gina. Yeah. Um, she, she said I have to watch it. But again, this comes from the same Neil deGrasse Tyson. Mm-hmm. We talked about if you could get in a craft or whatever mm-hmm. and travel a certain distance away from the earth right for six months mm-hmm. turn around and drive back six months later he goes right. the earth could have aged you aged one year the earth could have aged hundreds of thousands of years depending on how fast you're going yeah yeah and yeah. i like in my brain i'm like how is that even possible but yeah. again it's with the pulse like all the gravity mm-hmm. and i'm like I, I i've never heard that before and i heard it and i my brain hurt yeah thinking about it yeah and i'm like which is like time travel yeah exactly yeah and, and I just so do you know how that would work? In well, theory? It, it you the thing that annoys is this quantum. Also? Uh, no, it, it's it, there. All these all or these relativity. Yeah, or? all the th- that's relativity. All these theories are just kind of they're kind of trying to explain the same fact. Uh, the thing annoying thing for me about light speed, if you can be said to have something that annoys you about the the idea of the speed of light, is that no matter how fast you travel and no matter how hard you accelerate, you can't approach the speed of light. You can get really close to it, but you can't actually achieve it. At the moment, nobody knows how to do it. And that for me is annoying because you're traveling, you're traveling, and that that speed that you're traveling to get there, that acceleration you're using to get there, that's where the time dilation comes in, where for you it's just a year. But the closer you get to light speed, if you just do the math on light speed, the closer you get to it, the faster time flows outside of that little packet that you're traveling in, outside of your year, Mm -hmm. then time is traveling faster. My understanding, and it's that's mostly Robert Heinlein and J.R. Haldeman, you know, 70s science fiction writers is where I got my grounding in that. But, but I think they said, there's a, who are the brothers or astronauts, twin brothers? Oh. You know what I'm talking about, though? Uh, well, I, there's a book about about twins where one of them stays on Earth because they can communicate telepathically, and the oh. one who goes away is 70 years younger than him when he gets back. And they kind of t- they kind of address that. Oh, this is a fiction this is book? a book. Yeah, this is Robert Heinlein wrote about this in the sixties. Oh, yeah. okay. So, um, yeah, I'm not sure about the twins. So those twins are both astronauts. One okay. of them went and lived in the International Space Station for like a year. Right. Came back and they they were born not whatever say a minute apart, two minutes mm-hmm. apart, whatever it was. And they said when they came back, the age gap had gotten closer. Oh, because he was he had lived on the International Space Station for a year. Huh. It wasn't much; it was like minutes, but they were minutes. Interesting, no, minutes I, closer in age now. Okay, I need to look that up. It was, it was a twi- <laughs> there was twins; they're both kind of like mm-hmm. bald guys. And, okay, um, one of them just went up. It was like within the last probably three mm-hmm. to five years. Yeah, and uh, I'd heard about like I'd heard the, about 
the guy going up. I didn't realize right. the time thing, but that was one of them. That the time had, he basically had aged slower or faster than his bro. I would think have slower to, than his brother. Yeah, yeah, it had to be slower. So then he was, I think, the older one. So he came hmm. back, or the younger one, sorry, aged slower. So he actually right. came back towards his brother. Right. Okay. That makes sense. Well, Maybe the opposite. Yeah. You no, know, I, I think you've got you have the the basic technique there. I, it's kind of there's so many intangibles. You know, he wasn't feeling gravity, so his body was younger than the other guy because his body hadn't been beaten down by gravity for a year because he was in zero G. I mean, there's all sorts of things that are involved in that. That really interests me. Uh, this might have been the thing because this is about two and a half, three weeks ago, right? Yeah, because uh, yeah, all of a sudden I'm, I'm driving back from Utah. We were out for some family memorials and we're coming back. And all of a sudden I get this really imperative message from Brightwell saying, you have to watch this podcast with Neil deGrasse Tyson. Was on Rogan? Yeah. 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 And Did I'm like, uh, no, well, no, I was driving and I said, I can't get that. I got no service now. And he goes, dude, it's a podcast. Get it. And I don't know from podcast. So he's Only like, on Spotify get it. now. Yeah. yeah. And it's, and it's, it's on my Spotify. I just haven't listened to it. It's and, good. And, and that's, but that's what he, I think this is what they were talking about was this, this that concept of even though you and I are living time at a minute per minute, the fact that I'm living it at a higher rate of speed than you are means I'm younger. And I don't yeah. know. I, you know and that's it's the theory. In, you can prove incredible. it with math. You can prove it with math. And that's what he's doing. He's just yeah. talking like he's talking like, like I'm saying like this coffee's made with cocoa beans. Like right. give me, or <laughs> co- 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 what is it? Cocoa? Uh, I don't know. That's C- chocolate. Cacao. Cacao. Yeah, yeah. That's, um, I'm sure we're saying something insulting. Yeah. You know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sounds, sounds like, sounds like South, South American. Yeah. There like you that. go. Um, so, but it'd be like me just talking about like this water's cold like yeah. or something. And he just, so he was just like nonchalant saying this and like my mind was blown. And Joe's on the podcast. He's like, wait, and he's like, say, explain <laughs> it again. Like, and, and he's like, oh yeah. So if you travel this fast and you go up this way and you come Excuse back. Excuse me. I'm going to, how rude. There. Sorry. Oh. <laughs> I thought you were going to answer. Is that Brett? No, oh, no, it's not. Was, that's why I looked. If it was Bright Wall saying, no, dummy, you got to listen to the podcast. Yeah, Bright was uh, like, I heard you. From the <laughs> universe. Um, yeah, no, I, so that was just, the, those were the two things that like threw me off. Now, mm-hmm. the other question, what's your opinion on um, Bezos going to space? Uh, I know he, my daughter was all excited because change.org had a petition the other day to make him stay there. Uh, you know, there was like people were having a petition saying, I don't think we should allow him to come back. I'm like, whatever. Um, what is... My only question on that, mm-hmm. what's, and I hate to be morbid, what's his rate of survival? Yeah. Yeah. Because, I mean, there's there's a danger to True. traveling in the space. And, like, <laughs> no, I'm absolutely. sitting here's a guy that's not trained, yeah. who's got deep pockets that is just like, I want to be a kid and fly up in the space. Yeah. And then I hear guys like Elon Musk that are like, I'm not in the first, I'm not going up first. Like, I'll, I'll come up with the stuff. <laughs> exactly. But like, and to me, mm-hmm. For whatever Bezos does, like I don't want to lose Elon Musk. Right. <laughs> like, I, I'd rather keep Elon well, around. I don't, I don't know. Sometimes I I never can tell. Uh, and I, I it's it, the science science fiction becoming fact is always kind of a fun overlay for me. And whenever I think of Bezos and Musk, I think of Hank Scorpio, who was a um, nuclear power plant owner who hires Homer Simpson away from the Springfield nuclear power plant. And it turns out that he's a supervillain. He has everybody move to his, he's manning the nuclear power plant, which is running his death laser with which he's going to take over the world. And so he's this super nice guy. And he says, hey, if you need a hammock, I'll get you a hammock. Let me know what you need for your workspace. And it turns out he's this like James Bond-esque villain at the end of it and ends up taking over the world because he has all the money and he's charismatic and he's just doing his thing. Uh, and whenever we're playing like a disaster bingo, you know, we're sitting around a campfire and we play this game where we were like, oh, what's the worst thing that could happen? And my big thing has always been uh, Musk's 
Starlink satellites, the, the, his beta internet communication scheme for the entire world. Well, there's thousands of these things up there now, and they all weigh 600 pounds. And what happens if he decides to bring 12 of them down on Philadelphia? And so that's where I always go. And my kids are like, don't do that to my head. And I'm like, well, you know, then you think about it. The guy's got an orbiting, if it's an orbiting mind control laser, who knows? I've got free internet in the Sahara, unless he decides to destroy my village. Uh, and it just, it's, it's funny because who knows? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't like the, I, I guess I don't like two things about Bezos in space. He's like, I'm doing it because I can. All right, good for you, man. Mm-hmm. I've seen his rocket. It has really big windows. That makes me uncomfortable just looking at it because a window is a failure point as far as I'm concerned. Um, and when he says he's going to space, he's not going that far. He's going above the, the his rocket that's taking people there. He's not going to the moon. He's not going to the orbit. He's just going above that limit, like 120 miles, that says he's in space. And that's what he's selling to people. We're going to go up there, suborbital flight, maybe an orbital flight, and we're going to come back down. Um, and so that, for me, the fact that he can do it, uh, that the first thing I is that I'm not sure that we should be doing it just to to be exciting. Mm-hmm. You know, this is just because you can't do something, maybe you shouldn't do it. Uh, the thing I the thing I kind of don't like about the situation is that everybody that's complaining about Bezos and all of his money, they all bought at least one thing on Amazon this mm-hmm. year. You know, oh yeah, it's like it's they're not, prime members. Yeah, it's in their prime members. It's not. It's not like he's going. He's stealing from the poor to go to space. You bought underwear from Sri Lanka, and Amazon shipped it to you, and that's how he's getting the money mm-hmm. to do this. So okay, that's that's okay, I guess. Uh, Musk not having government oversight because he's a private individual. Uh, you know, the we talked about Starlink before. Mm-hmm. Starlink really messes up. Well, it, it, it messes up naked eye viewers like me. I guess there are computer programs you can use now to take a, an astrophotograph, um, and it will eliminate satellite trails that go through it. So I'm taking that. I'm taking that video of ten thousand frames of the whirlpool, the whirlpool galaxy, and I'm going to stack those up. But if I do that, there's going to be a thousand satellite tracks going through it because there's a lot of satellites up there. So a program will take those satellite trails out for you. But that image for me, because I'm a, I'm a naked eye, uh, direct to the eyeball astronomer, that image for me isn't really a real image anymore because... It's been doctored. It's been doctored. Yeah. And uh, yeah, you get great images. Uh, it's, I, I know Scott talked about this Beekman Town star party we did. We yeah. did we did, had a great a blast. Beekman Town got this great grant uh, from NASA and they had an uplink with the space station. The kids yeah. were talking to the space station. It was great. That's and then so in, cool. It was fantastic. And then in the afternoon, about 40 of the really most motivated kids there uh, came out and hung out with us for the afternoon and we were waiting for the sun to set so we could look at the sky. And one of the kids, oh, here, I was talking about it and in another reality, I went right straight to my point in another turn of the Mandela, but not right now. I'm not going to be able to. Um, these kids were talking about uh, about Elon Musk and the satellites and I was saying that I had a real problem with the fact that the satellites were in my face. And they're like, yeah, but internet. And I'm like, yeah, internet. So uh, the first thing I did when we had our telescopes out, we were looking at the sun. And there were no sunspots on the sun. So we had all of our telescopes set up for solar observing. And we were waiting for the sun to set. And we had it was elementary school kids. We had a 9 o'clock curfew uh, from the school. And at 8.40, we start seeing lights in the sky. And so we've been looking at pictures all day. One girl brought her textbooks out. And so when I would say, uh, hey, give me, a, give me a picture of this comet. And she would flip through her book and she'd go, here you go. And she'd hold it up. So we were just kind of <laughs> doing a really interactive thing. And then about 8.45, all of a sudden, we started being able to see light. And we saw Venus came out first. And Venus came out right near Sirius. And so the, the kids were looking over there. And uh, 
one of the dads pulls his phone out and goes to hold it up. And one of the kids says, no, dad, look at it. And that for me, yeah. that was a win for the day. That was, that was my win for the thing. Yeah. Yes, look at the light. Uh, of course, we couldn't see everything. The dad could hold up his phone and was stellarium. He could tell you what, you know, what astronomical objects were within 20 feet of that thing. But the kids are like, no, I want to look. Yeah. And that's, that's for me, you know, Bezos and Musk, it's kind of a, it's kind of a compensation thing, I think. This, look what I can do because I'm so rich. Okay. I, I, I get that uh, feeling more from Bezos than I do from... Yeah. Like, to me, Elon just seems like he's really into it, where yeah. I don't think Bezos... And maybe I'm wrong. Maybe mm-hmm. Bezos has always loved space, but it just mm-hmm. seems like recently he's just kind of, you know, in the last handful of years, been like, yeah. well, I could do it too, because I Elon, money. Yeah, Elon's and, getting a lot of press, so I better jump in and get the press. Yeah, yeah. And, and like, yeah. Elon almost went broke trying to do it, which mm-hmm. is different than, I think, Bezos, who's kind of just like, I got yeah. a ton of money, I'm going to make it happen. Yeah, but he's making a lot of money now, Musk is. And, well, now, but it's yeah. like it's paid mm-hmm. off. But it's like yep. to me, mm-hmm. at, like the risk of what he was doing back then. Right. I mean, he, he could have just ran, rolled off the sunset when he sold his early companies. Yeah. He had like what, $300 yeah. million dollars or something, $180 yeah. million. He's like, oh, yeah. I'm good. I'm he's good. like, I'm going to dump it all in. I almost go bankrupt. Mm-hmm. To, um, but I think I, I get more excited when I hear stuff from Musk than Bezos. Bezos, to me, mm-hmm. just seems like... Like, you know, you know, when you, as a kid or even now you grow up and there's always like that brand you favor and there's mm-hmm. always that second brand that you just like almost like Coke and Pepsi, like you know, everybody has their favorite and the yep. other ones are kind of like the second tier. I find that like Elon's like, like my Coca-Cola and then Bezos <laughs> like the Pepsi or the just Pepsi's like, better. Yeah. I yeah, get it's it. Like one of them's just like trying a little too much <laughs> and you're like, ah, you're, or McDonald's and Burger King, like yeah. McDonald's. Like, also not sponsors. Okay. Not sponsors. Just want to make sure we, we don't the, want to get in trouble here. If we get a sponsor <laughs> for food, that's right. That like a national brand food there you would go. be Chipotle. If I, had to pay. I was, you know, I was going to say, I'm and of course, guy. of course, Disney owns that that name. You know, that's why Chipotle? our yeah, that's uh, why our restaurant here used to be called Chipotle's in town, and they were sued by uh, some attorneys for Disney because Disney owns the brand name Chipotle for uh, Mexican restaurants. That was my understanding at the time. They may have sold it out, but the place that's called the Smoked Pepper now used to be Chipotle's, and they were sued, and they had to change the name. Really? Yeah. And they didn't know. Who knew? Wait, so Disney owned Chipotle before that, Chipotle was a company? Uh, well, the that's my understanding. Again, wow. you know, this may be in an alternate reality. You, this may be my turn of the Mandela, but that my story, because Chipotle was, that was the food my wife craved when she was pregnant with my son, with our first child. And we were down there, and all of a sudden, I went down to get some ancho seeds because we make our own anchiote. And they were they would hook me up with these big bags of anchiote. And I go down, and they're painting out the sign, and I'm like, "What happened?" And they're like, "Well, we violated somebody's copyright. We can't call it Chipotle anymore." I was like, "Ah!" And then here comes the Chipotle brand all across the nation. Not wow. bad food, and. Galen deserves to be sponsored by Chipotle. If you're listening, Chipotle, absolutely. Well, I eat Chipotle way too much. Yeah, so. he's a he's a good guy. He I, he deserves his Chipotle. And I've had way too many of your bowls. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> the uh, the <laughs> just sorry, let's sorry, call a spade phone. a spade. I spent yeah. a lot of money at your place. Yeah. Like, sorry, microphone. Well, usually, like I, I'm a, I really like, like when I go out to dinner. Mm-hmm. Ninety, probably five times out of a hundred, I'm going to like one of our local establishments. But like when you go like quick food, there's hard to get like quick food at places unless right. you like stop in, run in or whatever. Like Chipotle to me is the easiest thing to get. Yeah. And oh, yeah. I don't really go to the fast foods too often. And, mm-hmm. I, and and for me, it's like for what you get, the quality of what you get and the price of what you get it for. Wow. I'm in work the sponsorship. I like this. That's this it. This is a good thing. That's it. Yeah. So Nikki, that, Nikki, get on this. That's yeah. So that's my, uh, that's, that's basically <laughs> it. If I'm getting a sponsorship. It's Chipotle. It's nice. the only one I want from a food perspective. Nice. I see for locally, I would go Aleka's. You know, I, I, I oh, like, I'm going like a local for yeah, sure. Aleka's yeah. is great. Yeah. Greek absolutely. fries. Yeah. I'm a big, I usually get the Greek salad. <laughs> Love you, Peter. I get, I get the Greek, I get the Greek salad 
And then I get the, uh, I typically get the chicken. Right. The Greek salad with chicken. And then I usually get a side of um, Greek fries. And then yeah. I also like the grilled calamari. Uh-huh. Yep. So like if me and my wife went or go out, we get grilled calamari. Typically two different things, like entrees. And yeah. then usually a big thing of Greek yeah. fries. And that's yeah. like the night. And it's great. Yeah. Um, I also, the gyro, but it has mm. to have the, uh, is the gyro different? Because they uh, have like the chicken, the pork, and... You can do it, yeah. I did gyro for me is always the... The, the, the lamb. The daughter, sorry, the lamb. The lamb, yep. yeah. so mm-hmm. the lamb is... The, sorry, the lamb's the one I get. Yep. Pork and chicken are the other options, but I always get mm-hmm. lamb. Um, and then the tzatziki. Mm-hmm. Very good on that. That's what my wife They do a good job. Like, yeah, they do. The domas. The domas are good. Very much. Um, and they cater. I, I hope to do a star party this summer where they cater, because they'll come right out and bring stuff to... Now they're also the twisted pita, right? Mm-hmm. Same, same. Yeah, yeah. I believe, company. I believe so. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, they got their food truck there. Yeah, it's great. It's great. Uh, Can you tell it's near dinner time? I, I um. yeah. Well, so my my I didn't eat today. I, mm-hmm. well, I have ate today, but I'm saying I hadn't ate in the morning, and it was like twelve thirty. I was starving, so mm-hmm. then I ate, and I was like, so most of the time I get heavy cream in my coffee because yep. it's just like it keeps me it's more calories. Full. Yeah, it's calories. Yeah, so it's like, fat. sure. So usually like mornings I'll pop it in because I'm like, I know I. Sometimes I get on a roll and I eat breakfast, and there's plenty of times where I just don't eat breakfast. Like yeah. I haven't had breakfast, like I weekends, but our weekend breakfast ends up being like mm-hmm. eleven o'clock because by the time the kids get up, I usually just drink coffee to the kids get up. Right. So yeah. like I haven't had breakfast in a long time. Mm-hmm. Besides like eating like a bar out the, running out the door. Right. I guess I love breakfast, but I guess yeah. I don't eat more breakfast. Yeah. But I don't oh, know. Okay. That's. That's a side note. That's I don't need a sponsorship for breakfast. Um, like Jimmy Dean comes knocking me like, <laughs> I've actually gotten um, these random things on uh, social media. I'll get like mm-hmm. an Instagram account, be like, "Hey, we want to sponsor your podcast, and here's something we want you to promote on the podcast." And it was like, um, one of them that I got was called was "Shave Your Balls, Shave My Balls," <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> and I was looking at this thing, I'm like. That's, I don't know if this is a legitimate company or not. So that's I, why you invited me here today. I'm not. Right. I, yeah, I'm not gonna. <laughs> should, should I get sponsored by that, Ed? That that that, that was. I would say the, no. That's the million dollar question I, I, I want to ask you no. today. Um, I, w- I would say cold as balls, which is Kevin uh, Kevin, Hart, Hart. <laughs> Kevin Hart's uh, podcast in the in the ice water. That one, I think he probably would sponsor you. You know, how long do they stay in that that podcast? Uh, I don't know. I, I I watched one that was eight minutes long the other day with Isaiah Thompson or Isaiah Thomas, and they're in there the whole time. So I was gonna say I'm, I'm thinking yeah. sub ten because sitting yeah. in an ice bath for yeah, over cool, ten yeah. minutes. And one, I don't yeah. think you're supposed to do it because no. I think it's like body temperature, but it's a very quick. Yeah. I guess it passes the time as you're both shivering. <laughs> These are all athletes too. I, mean, I wouldn't go in there. Yeah, they're they're even used with to all it. the padding I have. I'm not going in there. I, I've done that before. Mm-hmm. I've done like an ice bath before mm-hmm. and. At no point is it comfortable. Like the people that say, like, "Oh, you should take like an ice uh, shower, like an, uh, a cold shower." I'm like, you know what I do? I get in and it's nice and steamy, and mm-hmm. like I'm, I'm there for comfort. Like, yeah, I'm, if exactly. it's hot out, I might turn a little cold just to cool off. If it's like muggy, like on Sunday, but I'm not, I'm not jumping in like nice. voluntarily to a cold shower. Nice. Um, it's it's kind of like a, like AC. Yeah, great, but like all the other stuff, like absolutely no way. Yeah. Um, I don't need that in my life. I really don't. So you know, I'm comfortable at like that yeah. nice, mild, like warm water. I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a warm. I'm a, I'm a very a moderate climate kind of guy. I don't mm-hmm. play in the extremes. Yeah, so I'm, cl- I'm there with you. Yeah, yeah. yeah I'm, I'm a very yeah yeah. I'm not, I'm not good. I want to survive out in the wilderness too yeah. long. Um, don't don't watch alone on the History Channel. I guess it's on Netflix or Amazon Prime now. Uh, that's their survival show where they take ten people and they they're survival experts and they put them up in the Arctic and they see who can go the longest. They drop. Oh, they're all there together. Oh yeah. Well, they're they're separated by like five miles. It's it's a fascinating show because it's like, what is your idea of how you're going to survive? 
So and when they cancel or what cancel mm-hmm. when they they tap out, it's kind of yeah. like this Navy SEALs. They ring a bell, kind satellite of phone. Right? Yeah, they call in and say, "I'm officially tapping out," and it's and it's all video. They're up there with seven cameras, uh, so they're filming everything. So they just do. ten guys that are deemed like I'm a wilderness guy. Ten folks. Yeah, they have to apply. Uh, I, I no spoilers for this year's season, but the final three are two women uh, and a, and an Alaskan guide for the first time in the series. The women have gotten this far, and they're out like 70, 80, 90 days. Above the Arctic Circle, they're on the Great Slave Lake. So, oh, so they're on the water. Oh, well, they're on the shore. Yes, fishing is part of their survival plan. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, because fish have fat and, and like skunks. People are eating skunks or eating wolverines. Uh, they're you know, so it's, so it's kind of like a Hunger Games almost. Kinda, yeah, very um, much so. Yeah. So the Arctic Circle, there's no, it's all water up there. Uh, no, no, no. There's land. There's land. They're in the tundra. The Great Slave Lake might not be above the Arctic Circle, but it's very close. The sun goes very low to the horizon all day long up there. So they're very close to it, whether they're over it or not. Because, I mean, but there's like ice caps up there, but there's not an actual massive, it's not like Antarctica, uh, no, but there's it, a massive They're land. land. This is the Northwest, the Northwest Territories of Alaska. If you've ever watched but I mean, the, like uh, the, the, sorry, the North Pole. Yeah, North Pole is all water underneath it. Yeah. Okay, so yeah. this is just a little bit south. Yeah. Yeah. Twenty direction. degrees, I think, is the distance. It's the twenty-two degrees south is the Arctic Circle. I think. Is it part of Canada? Uh, right? Where they are, yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is there how far up in Canada? Do you know where mm. people like actually live and have it? Uh, the Nunavik, uh, the they're not Inuit anymore, but the the native peoples up there, they go right up to the ice and they hunt all on the, the way ice. up, like all yeah. north. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. There's a lot of stuff up there. Uh, because Alaska's ever, high up. I mean, right. If you've ever seen the show Ice uh, Ice Truckers, mm-hmm. right? So Ice Truckers, they're driving across the Great Slave Lake to Yellowknife, which is on the north end of the the Great Slave Lake. That's the area where this thing is taking place. Uh, nobody's been up there past uh, Christmas Day before, but that's wow, a hundred days, a hundred days up there. Excuse me. I've, now we're thinking. I'm thinking about Chipotle, and I'm burping like crazy. Uh, <laughs> it's uh, just that. It, it's the, again. It's that. Why I could see myself doing that in a different turn of the wheel, in a different turn of the mandala, but I'm not doing it now. Um, have you? What's the longest you've ever been outside? Um, like hiking or? Sur- uh, I have been surviving. out. <laughs> I have been out. Well, I, I we did uh, we did ten days on a camping trip. I mean, we had lots of gear in our in our canoes. We did ten day canoe trips up in Canada. Um, me myself personally. Uh, I've been out 48 hours where I've just been outside. I've been hunting and I just, you know, you don't hunt at night. So I just kind of hanging out and listening uh, to the woods. What, uh, so on like the 10 day canoeing trip, is that mm-hmm. like completely disconnected from the world? Uh, yeah. Yeah. We didn't have phones or anything. There were, there were bush planes flying over our head, but it's a place called the Spanish river. And, uh, it's, they call it the upside down river because the rapids on it are at the very beginning are very small. So it's a great place to go up and learn. And then as you get down, you're running into class three and class four whitewater by the time you get down to the end of it. Where's this? Uh, the Spanish River It's north of Española, which is a town on the north end of Hudson, or not Hudson's Bay, uh, the Georgian Bay. So it's in Ontario. Okay. Uh, Georgian Bay is just to the east of uh, Lake Huron. So it's kind of up in that area there. It's the Canadian Shield. It's kind of like the same terrain we've got here. But wolves, we had we had wolves uh, howling on the ridges around us. Uh, we had moose walk between our tents one night, which is kind of cool. And it just, and it was, I mean, we were canoeing. I, was, I wouldn't consider it roughing. I had three different types of stove. Uh, you know, I mean, I had all the gear. But, but I, I just think like the mental aspect of just like, rela- like yeah. I say relaxing, but you're just mm-hmm. like out. Like you're almost in your own like. Yeah. Like yeah. you're oblivious to what's happening in the world and you love it. It's yeah, like you're you, doing your thing. Yeah. You're doing your thing. Like I yeah. find there's, there's something peaceful about, like this morning, I... Now I was with people like like I was with like clients, but it, 
from about seven in the morning to let's call it quarter after 12. So mm-hmm. close to about five hours, maybe just over. Yeah. I didn't have self service. Right. And there's like something really nice about Luxury. not having, se- yeah, it's almost <laughs> like a luxury. Like I'm driving, like yeah. nobody can get a hold of me right now. Right. And I'm just driving up and it was, uh, like Shazy, Chattagay Lakes, like mm-hmm. it's just gorgeous. I love driving up through there, and it's just. But I had no service. I'm like, this is awesome. Like yeah. I had, I could play music. And I'm like, mm-hmm. I'm just gonna listen to music and just zone out and just look yeah, at yeah. it and like not feel like I'm missing anything and not care that I'm missing anything. And then I get back and then like the world punches in the face. But it's like, <laughs> but for those like five hours, I'm like, this is really nice. It's yeah. just like, it, it's that like escapism. Which do you have? A, are you good about like relaxing and stuff? Like finding like, uh, um, like time just to like just to hang out chill like usually when the sun goes down that's my that's my chill time you just uh, like just yeah. like you it's just kind of like ed time yeah i was a, i was a kid during the 60s so it was the, you know i was raised by guys that had served in the military right after world war ii and it was like you work first then you play and mm-hmm. so that's kind of my day and when i'm out doing a trip uh i i'm working until it's time to not work anymore so you've got your your house set up your tent whatever you set up your meals and then it's like kick back in a rock and look at the sky that's that's my thing i like to do that i've been doing a lot of that lately uh i just purchased some property this spring Mm -hmm. as you know and uh i just kind of go out there for an hour or two in the morning before i go to work at the at the testing center and uh just kind of hang out. Maybe I'll cut down a little twig. I'm clearing a right away to go in there and just kind of go out and just kind of be in the woods. And that's, that's been really nice. Just bring a cup of coffee out there. Yes. Yeah, just... yeah. Yeah. And I do have 4g internet there because one of the neighbors has it, but I don't turn my phone on. <laughs> yeah. So if I need, if I needed to bang out, I could bang out, but, uh, yeah, I just, just kind of go and be, that's nice. Yeah. I, I've all, I've never been a big, like up to this point in my life, I've never really wanted to own land. Just own land. Like I had mm-hmm. land. I had another buddy who just bought like 40, 50 acres. Same thing. Kind of like, yep. just like he's got other plans for it. He's like, oh my God, you come up and like walk around. And I'm always like, ah, it, like it's not for me. I'm not like a hiker or whatever. And then right. I get to the point where I'm like, you know what? It would be kind of cool just to like go out there and just have it be like a, almost like a paint, like a, like a canvas and you mm-hmm. can like paint, but instead yeah. you're painting down trees, you're making trails, you're just yeah. like building stuff and yeah. just kind of like a big playground. Yeah. You're painting experiences. Yeah. You're kind of out there walking around. We found some mushrooms out there right after we bought the place. Uh, we went out and we, cause we like hunting for morel mushrooms and that was just, that was our thing. And we ended up spending like six hours out there and we did find some and, and then we ate them. <laughs> yeah. So what kind of mushrooms are those? Uh, morel mushrooms are the kind that you will find on steaks. Most, most plates They're uh, they look like the, the fatal toadstool, except that their cap is that the way you tell them apart is the cap of the morel mushroom is attached all the way around. Whereas a toadstool just floats on its shaft. So Probably. you can't eat the toadstool ones? No, no. Those are poisonous? Those will kill you. Yep, absolutely. See, I, wouldn't, I would not touch a mushroom because I'm not. my knowledge is not well, very good. Thing. Be like, I, it's 50-50. Like, yeah. I, don't, I'll... I, I hunt two. I hunt those. And then there's uh, my, my physical therapist, uh, uh, Casey. He's always working on my back and my legs. Uh, he was telling me about a hen of the woods, and which is a, a mushroom that I never really thought about before. It's a big blocky fungus. And he goes, yeah, where we go over by Potsdam, we find 35 or 40 pounds of this when we go looking for it and you cook it just like steaks it's mushrooms yeah it's mushrooms it's it's a big fungus not like the big puff balls which i have i have eaten those big puff balls you see oh the big white ones yeah before they turn to spores you can slice them and you cook them on a grill just like a steak but the you have to make sure you're doing it right because every mushroom hunter's epitaph says i thought i could eat it you know it's <laughs> my family we know people who killed themselves with mushrooms and uh it's just like yeah so like how would you grow? It's kind of like a portobello mushroom. Yeah, yeah. just a smaller version of it. Yeah, baste it with baste it with olive oil. Yeah. I was gonna say, how do you cook it? Olive yeah. oil. Baste it with olive oil. Throw it on a grill, just like you do a steak. That's what I do. Or I I chop them up and and saute them with onions and uh, peppers, and then you make like a little salsa. 
Are uh, they uh, are they white or are they more like a brown? Depends. Like darker? Uh, uh, morels are darker. Morels are brown. Almost like yeah. a port not portobello, yeah. but like a um, like shiitake. Yeah, all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah I, I've I don't know. Like trying to eat like wild like uh, berries and stuff. You obviously mm-hmm. eat berries, but yeah. like what other stuff can you get off the? Because you're, I mean, you did a lot with the Boy Scouts, right? Or yeah. Still do. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's stuff that you, you guys go out and like practice and like wilderness survival. Yeah. I always had a, a meal ready to eat or two, a military meal chucked in the bottom of my pack. I, you, no, right. keep going. I want, I want okay. to show you a book. Okay. Let me just, All right. just start, as you're talking, I'm going to try yeah, to like go for scan it. my eyes and try to find it. Go for it. I'm not like uh, the in the 70s, uh, Ewell Gibbons, where he's like the famous guy for living off the woods and it's like, ever eat a pine tree? Many parts are edible. And so... Yeah, I, I have I have eaten pine nuts that I've harvested out of pine cones. It's just knowing where to look. Um, I've been learning a lot watching this show alone. We were talking about about uh, moss and the kind of moss you can eat. Oh, there you go, Bushcraft 101. David Canterbury, one of the best authors in the field. I have never looked at this book. Everybody says, "Why don't you own Canterbury?" And here Galen has it in his has it in his thing. Hey, yeah. the, the guy who's never been in the woods. So yeah, there you go. Um, so there, my, yeah, there you have it. My friend gave me that over. Mm-hmm. So this is the whole thing. Is mm-hmm. here, let me see that. There, there I just you want, go. I haven't oh, looked at this. Yeah, he's the Pathfinder School. Yeah. So Ohio. he, um, yeah. So this Bushcraft 101 Field Guide of Art mm-hmm. to the Art of Wilderness Survival. So a friend of mine gave me this last year during uh, COVID, probably in like, he was reading it. This was like thick of it. This was like April. Yeah. And he was, he's like, I'm reading this cool book. I'm like, oh, that's awesome. I'd love to read it because I just think it's cool. Not that I'm going to be browsing bags and hammocks and all that stuff. Right. But I think it's just neat to like learn about it. So then he ended up like mailing me the yeah. copy of it. Yeah. Um, setting up camp. But at some point I want to read through this and just like I'm sure there's like knots in here and I just like right. cool things that you're like I never knew about that and a lot of it's right. just simple stuff like uh, I think it was Scott Braywell telling me like use your fingers on mm-hmm. the there's something he said when you talk about the horizon in the sky yep. um, and then also certain distances like how things travel that like certain fists around mm-hmm. is like 36 fists around or something yeah. like that or yeah. whatever or 10 that. degrees yeah yeah. so starting like looking at those things that even like looking when we talk about space like looking out and like understanding where certain things are mm-hmm. And instead of just looking up and being like, oh, there's the Big Dipper, I can look up and say like, oh, there's that and there's that. Like I know mm-hmm. the Big Dipper, I know Ryan's Belt, I know, um, I believe the North Star is... You can find it off the Dipper, yeah. That That's kind of like off down of the Dipper? Uh, it depends on where the, it depends on what time of year it is. Yes, as the, the end two stars of the Dipper, mm-hmm. uh, in the in the Dipper part of it, point to the North Star. Oh, it's not the handle part. Uh, no. no. Oh, see, the, the handle points are tourists. That's that's another way to find the third brightest star in the heavens. So maybe that's the one we're looking at. Because yeah. yeah, yeah. isn't um, isn't the North Star part of the Little Dipper? Uh, yes. Yeah. Okay. It's, it's the tail star of the Little Dipper. But, gotcha. So yeah, like, there's all sorts of stuff up there. But here's the thing, and I just wanted to because you've got that book, which is fantastic, and you're saying I'm not a survivalist. Uh, the the thing about it is that you're already more able to survive than you were five minutes ago when you picked that book up again, because it's knowledge is what you need. Oh, exactly. You know, and and be, and being able to say, okay, I'm stuck out in the middle of the woods. My cell phone doesn't work. I can make something work for me. And that was that was a lot of what I did in my old job, where we would take kids out. And there's one spot in the North Country that's a white spot. It has no cell service, and we would take these kids out for overnight camping trips in the center of that white spot. Just because you knew the kid. Well, we knew there was no cell. We knew there was, we had a lean-to there, but we knew there was no cell coverage there. And it was always kind of interesting to see how the technological kids would just start twitching with their thumbs. But they usually, when they discovered that they didn't need that tech, and here I've been complaining the entire the entire uh, interview about not having my daughter and her tech to look up facts for me. 
uh, not needing that tech all the time is a good thing. Well, I'm just like looking at like knots. That's a fantastic book. <laughs> yeah, like I'm just like, so the other day I was trying to tie a knot. My son mm-hmm. brings this flashlight and had a broken knot. I'm like, yeah. let me try to make a cool knot out of it. Like yeah. just, and I'm sitting there just like looping stuff around. It's, sure. small, it's coming loose. So I'm like, okay. I'm, sure. Like, so I'm just going to do a basic, like tie it around. And, but you start looking at some of these things like um, a clove hitch, mm-hmm. timber hitch, like fisherman's knot. Now, these are just really cool. Yeah. I used a timber hitch last week. It's really easy to, you're not wrecking your rope and you used it all log out of the river. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's just, it's like a lot of this stuff. It's like sleeping bags, natural shelters, wool blankets, debris hut shelter. Yep. <laughs> I mean, this, I mean, you probably could have wrote I this. Built, I built one. No, I built one of those last week. It's a, uh, they're fun. It's just messing around with them. Uh, I don't really waste time on debris shelters in the summertime. I mean, they're cool to build, but I just carry a tarp and, you know, I bring a tarp up <laughs> like that but, because I'm a, I'm, I'm a civilized, civilized guy now. But yeah, yeah you're doing all that stuff. and, and it's, just, a, it's a cool book. And knowledge is power. I mean, say you live in the middle of New York City, and but all of a sudden you're lost in, in Central Park. And, oh, hey, I read a book about survival once. I can do this here. No, that's that's kind of a stupid example because you're never like more than four blocks from a road in Central say, Park. But uh, you know, CVS. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Go to the CVS. Uh, go over and talk to Neil deGrasse Tyson at the Planetarium. Uh, but it's is that where he is? In yeah, I, th- I thought he was in New York City there at the Hayden. He was for a while. Um, it's uh, just having that knowledge. It makes it easier for you to handle life. You know. Um, what got you into Boy Scouts? Uh, Were my you son, a Boy Scout? my son did. I was, I was a, I was a Boy Scout early on. My mom was the, the, the Cub Den leader, uh, and uh, it was during the seventies. And I made it through a couple levels, but my mom was the leader, so I always had to go. And I just kind of got grumpy about it. And I, so I didn't go. I was a weeblo for like three weeks, and I couldn't memorize the creed that I had to memorize. And I'm like, this is stupid. I'm going to go play outside. And I left, but then my, my son uh, joined Cub Scouts here. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and then he got me involved. Uh, yeah, he, his Cub Scout leader hired me, Greg Dolan at Behavioral Health Services North hired me and I worked for him for 10 years. Uh, fantastic man in the woods, but Greg was the the scout leader. And, uh, one day when we were at work, he said, Hey, why don't you come down and, you know, be a leader? And I'm like, okay, I can do that. And, uh, you kind of get all tangled up in this thing. So I, I, my son gets me to sign up and he says, Hey, you should be a leader, do the leadership training. And I do the leadership training cause it's just spending time with your kids doing stuff outside, which I did anyway. And, uh, so I, I did the training and I was awarded the little badge saying I was a trained adult leader. And then the next week we go to the meeting and he shows up in his uniform and he's got this bright red, white, and blue patch on his shoulder. And I go, what's that for? And he goes, that's for recruiting an adult to join the troop. <laughs> so yeah, he wanted to spend time with me, but he also wanted the cool patch. Yeah, yeah, uh, just... yeah. So then we did we did that all the way through. He was he was a weeblo at that point, and all the way through as Eagle Scout when he turned eighteen. So ten years, I was scouted for ten years. I loved it. So when uh, when you get to an Eagle, how did? The process to get to an Eagle Scout is it at mm-hmm. a certain age you can get it, or is it a certain amount of merits or badges? Yeah, it's or? it's it's merit badges and progression. There's there's uh, each level of scouting has requirements that you have to hold certain leadership positions. You have to do this. You have to make a project uh, as you're moving ahead. And the the trend now is that Eagles are getting younger and younger because mm-hmm. for a while they uh, you know the Boy Scouts have suffered under a huge PR blows in the last ten years, mm-hmm. and uh, so the the Eagles. In order to be an eagle, you pretty much had to be a scoutmaster's kid, right? So you were always there and you're always focused and always doing your thing. And now people are starting to push to get more and younger eagles. And we see 14-year-old eagles now. Uh, I'm not a big fan of that because I don't think maturity-wise, I don't think they're ready. In order to be an eagle, you should be leading kids. 
Yeah. And 14 is you're just, you're checking off things on a list. Like I always uh, thought Eagle Scouts were kind of like junior, senior year of high school. You might get mm-hmm. it before yeah. you like become like an adult. That's, that's where, that's where it, it should play out in adult development. I mean, kids are developing, they're becoming more mature in theory, younger. Um, well, a really exciting thing that happened for scouting. And I, I'm not a scout leader anymore. Uh, I, my, my assistant took over the cub pack here. Uh, and I just kind of been doing something else. But uh, they, the Boy Scouts of America accepted women, accepted young women in. And probably the best thing that could happen for Boy Scouts because an 11-year-old girl is 175% more motivated than an 11-year-old boy. And so these more young... mature and developed. Uh, yes, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Intellectual development. And, uh, and so these young women uh, hit the ground running. We have, a, I think it was this, the first... Uh, female troop in our district is right up here at the Methodist Church, um, uh, Troop eighty thirty nine B, and uh, and there's five. There were five women in that when I left, and they are. Pro- I, I would imagine three of them are going to be Eagles because they're motivated. Mm-hmm. They're super motivated, and they're they have that maturity that lets them work through the thing where a kid only wants to uh, ever take the sports merit badge, uh, you know. And they're like, no, no, and they've got it all plotted out. These young ladies, 11, 12, 13 years old, and they've got it all plotted out. And they're going, and we've seen some female cool. eagles, and women have only been in for three years, three years now. Yeah, um, and and we're already seeing female eagles come through the program, and that for me, I don't I don't know what they've done. I mean, obviously they passed their boards. It seems a little fast for me, mm-hmm. just going from zero to eagle. But by the same token, it's a mark of accomplishment. It's it's okay. I've done this. I've done this preparation. I've become this person, and that's I, nice. I've had a couple friends that. That did it when they were young. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember helping one guy. I think it, he wasn't a senior. I want to say we were probably like freshmen, sophomores in high school. Yeah. And he had to do it's an Eagle Scout project. Or yep. Eagle Scout. Yep. Yeah, that's the big thing. You're organizing and you're developing this project plan and you're doing a big project. So basically the project was we were clearing out a bunch of trees. It was, I think it was a pretty basic project in the the grand scheme of it but Mm -hmm. i think obviously there might have been more to it is we ended up uh clearing out all these trees at the school kind of like like mass like Mm -hmm. it was uh between like the soccer fields and stuff which is kind of funny because i became a coach and like you notice like you'd see through but (laughs) i did that um, tree (laughs) yeah it was like 10 years prior so i remember going and we had to like cut all these trees down and um you know grind the stumps down and basically take all this brush between the two fields mm-hmm. where it was like the new field and the old field. And instead of making this like overgrown, just like, yeah. you know, terrible, like eyesore right. to make it actually like, Oh, this is actually nice. Like make it a park. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of a nice field. Mm-hmm. So we ended up doing that and it took us, I don't know how long it took us. I, I, I probably worked on it for a weekend with him. Mm-hmm. It might've taken him like a week. He probably, I think he yeah. had like waves of people that kind of helped him with it. And that's the key to the Eagle project right there. Is to get people to work yeah, with Yeah, getting him. people to work for you. Uh, yeah, because yeah, I wasn't part of the Boy Scouts. He was yeah. just like, hey man, can you help me out? And I'm like, yeah, yeah sure. Like, yeah, you know. any person, anybody can do a job. If like, like my kid, <laughs> uh, the Scoutmaster's son and my son went through the program together and they both, I believe they were 15 when they passed their Star Scout. I think it's, the, the the step before is either star or life, and I'm ashamed I don't know it right now. Uh, that's the level you meet before you get to be an eagle. And they both passed it really early on, like when they were 15, 16 years old. Mm-hmm. And then everything just screeches to a halt because you're in high school and the social scene takes off and you're doing all this stuff. And my son did his, his final presentation of his project the day before he turned 18 when he would have aged out. Um, and it was, and we kind of joked about it because you don't force him. It's up to the kid to do it. Yeah. Um, you know, at the time, uh, 2% of scouts ever made it to that 
level before Eagle. Two percent of the entire program because the scout program was only set up to make a first class scout, which is like a 13 year old. You know everything you need to know to be a scout, quote unquote, when you're 13. Um, and then everything beyond that is more community service, uh, more leadership skills. Which is driven from the Eagle. Yeah, which um, is going toward the Eagle, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I, one of my friends, um, you know, uh, Ryan. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and if I had to take and Mr. Ryan, Scouting. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah, exactly. Ryan Lee, so, yeah. I, like Ryan, a good, really good friend of mine. And mm-hmm. I, I always look at, Ryan's one of those guys that... He was an eagle. He did. Obviously, he was a, always an eagle. I'm told. I said. Well, I said was an eagle the other day, and somebody said you're always an eagle. Okay, so he's, he's an eagle. So <laughs> yep. he, uh, but he was director of the Boy Scouts or whatever mm-hmm. the position yep. was. Yeah, he, he was. Yeah, and uh, I just remember, like, he's one of those guys. He's just very organized, but he's got great leadership qualities, mm-hmm. and he's kind of. Uh, he's very diplomatic in the sense if you talk to him, he's very good with people, but he's also good at. Um, he doesn't have to like force people to do anything. He kind of leads by example. Right. He's one of those guys that he'll do something and you're like, Oh, Ryan's doing it. I'm going to do it. Like he's yeah. like, I, yeah. I trust him or he, yeah. or whatever. He's got that like charismatic, like leadership quality. We're like, yeah, I trust. Like I'm going to, I'm going to follow that guy. Yeah, He's got that. Come with me. Yeah. yeah. He's like a mm-hmm. good leader. And I, I, and I've seen him in other aspects and do different mm-hmm. things. And he's always one of those guys that even to this day, a lot of stuff, like if we're getting involved, I'm like, I want Ryan involved. Cause I just mm-hmm. know he's, got good decisions and right. he's got, you know, Hey, run this idea by you. And he's usually his input is very valuable. Yep. And it's kind of like you carry a lot of weight. Like if Ryan doesn't like, wait, Ryan doesn't like, it. let me rethink this. Like, why yeah. isn't it, you know, yeah. and, he's not going to tell you he doesn't like it. He's going to say, well, you know, yeah, like, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. why don't we try this? Or I think this might be a better plan. And then I got to like, re go back to the drawing books. I'm like, I'm like, okay, I'm like, no, I get it. I get where he's coming from. Cause sometimes I, I can be like quick to make decisions. Then mm-hmm. it's like, he comes in and almost like the voice of reason, like, let's try this. And I'm right. Like, yeah, you're, you're yeah, you, yeah. You got touche. He's like your Gina. He's like Scott's Gina. He's like my Wendy. What, would you call um, her the chief of the reason? chief of reality? Or reality. Yeah, the reality reality maintenance supervisor. Yeah, that's that's her actual job title in my guiding company. She's reality maintenance. Yeah, so. I find that you and Scott are just like overzealous children at times, where you're just yeah, like, I want to. That's why Gina. That sounds fun. Let's go do it. And that's like, why ah. Gina's there. Yeah, she kind of just like <laughs> is the one that puts that slow brake on, like yep. like the brake pad on a train. Yeah. Um, how is the where where are you at with the uh, the COVID testing center? Can you explain um, that a little bit? Oh oh sure yeah I, I'll tell you everything I can. Uh, I, I work for the hospital. Uh, there I work through a temporary agency that was hired for the hospital, and they hired us to do paperwork and stuff. But as as the lab as the lab uh, staff was getting more and more stressed out with everything they were having to do, uh, they ended up training a bunch of us and certifying a bunch of us to do the swabbing. So it's. Uh, Kind of the joke now is every day another nostril, and it's uh, and that's my, my wife you says said that my when you came in, I was like, yeah my <laughs> my wife says my humor has gotten a little earthier since I've been working there because I, at the at the base of it um, I am very lucky in that I can help people in a kind of a weird situation but basically I'm I'm paid to pick noses all day long so and I hope that I hope that my boss's boss at the hospital doesn't say okay get him off the floor because um, <laughs> it's just people are uncomfortable yeah. they're either you know we either see people who are uncomfortable or people who are angry mm-hmm. and there's there's very little middle ground they they're they're either scared that somebody's going to hurt their brain with a sticking something up their nose or they're like this is stupid I can't believe why this has to happen to me and it's still I'm surprised a year and a half on we still see people who are like this doesn't exist I yeah. I, I was tested once mm-hmm. it's weird like because they go up pretty oh, yeah. high you're in there you bet yeah. and you're kind of sitting there like but you most, have to say I go up there because I do that. So. I go so guys like Ed, <laughs> mm-hmm. gals like Ed that jam this rod up your nose, but like yep. or a swab. But I remember 
I thought it was going to be worse. Yeah. So like everybody there, does. Everybody's like, oh, because they talk. It's almost, you know, when, <laughs> when someone like talks about this experience mm-hmm. and like, I remember as a kid mm-hmm. when people were talking about varsity soccer Yeah. and all these kids was going to be playing about, oh, like, yeah. oh, I got to run this, you got to do that. And of course as a little kid and you're hearing all these like older kids mm-hmm. that are, you know, you think are way older than you right? are complaining and talking about hardest is and then you get like i don't want to play varsity like varsity soccer i can't do right. it like i'm sounds brutal yeah. yeah these guys are like making it sound like and they're bigger and stronger than me obviously like as a kid you're like mm-hmm. you know you get this like this warped view of of you know the ages but um i kind of feel like that is the story got bigger and bigger and it was ah like, oh, it's the worst thing ever and like i went i'm like it oh, always God, does this is gonna hurt and all yeah. of a sudden i'm like it really wasn't that bad. It wasn't that bad. No, and it was like could breathe a little easier. Yeah. yeah, it was. Well, for me, yeah, I got like mm-hmm. I'm, I'm like <laughs> grew up with like a deviated septum, polyps. Yep. Like I'm just yeah, I'm kind of like my mm-hmm. nose is not the best attribute of my body, but yep. um, yeah, no, it he wasn't, has a lovely nose. Don't let him tell you anything it's, else. It's, it's the shape's decent. The <laughs> internal, the internal stuff. <laughs> the internal working. I, I got a lot of issues I gotcha. going on up here. I got gotcha. you. What was it? The the nose. Ears, nose, and mouth guy. Yeah, like those docs. Yeah. Like those are the ones. I'm like I'm a poster child for that. But right. Um, <laughs> yeah, the swab the swab's not bad when they go up and they do it. I thought mm-hmm. you had worked at the well, I was saying before, I thought you worked at mm-hmm. the shop facility. No, there's a lot of people vaccine, that worked at the, the vaccine facility. There's a lot of people, local people that were working there and uh yeah, they do they do great work there, but I am not I'm not an injector. You're a swabber? I'm a swabber. So um, one day maybe I'll be a phlebotomist are taking you, blood samples. Oh, there but there you go. I have to do some training to do that. Would so. you do that? I don't know. Blood belongs on the inside, you know, and that was always, but I never thought I would be a nose swabber six months ago. Um, uh, it was a lot. I mean, it, I know this probably sounds like it's again, okay. rudimentary, but like to be a nose swabber, was there mm-hmm. like skill involved or a test you had to take or uh, like training? We, we were it? trained, we were trained and then our, our boss watched us and certified that we had had the training and that we were doing good samples. So, okay. So, yeah. And but I, it was like an actual, like like an actual medical practice that you had to like take like I, my my like lab. I'm the, sure like phlebotomy would be more. Yeah, like the that. lab the lab techs the lab techs and the lab manager uh, trained us and they didn't let us do it until we passed their their labbing. Uh, yeah. And for the longest time, uh, I get swabbed every week. Uh, oh, so you had it multiple times. Oh, absolutely, because I you know, I'm, I'm I'm exposed to people who have COVID. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, so I we make sure that there's no you know there's nothing running around. We make sure that we're healthy. But uh, when we we had uh, nursing students coming in and helping out with the lab techs and uh, and they would I would always get swabbed on Thursdays so I knew for the weekend that I was clear. And uh, the nursing students, uh, after I was swabbed the first time by one of the the lab techs, she said, "Hey, you guys, come on over here and swab Ed." And they're like, "Why do we swab Ed? Because I, my nose has been broken many, many times. Had a deviated septum to begin with. My left nostril is closed about eighty percent. So it's like there's a wall in there, and then there's a hole to get around to get the sample. <laughs> and so these these kids that come up, and I'm like, "Yeah, come on, you know, we we got to open in ten minutes. Let's do this." And they go in and they be filling. I'm like, "Oh my god!" And then they would find that spot. Um, and the other side is not a problem uh, to swab, but they were they were using me as a test case for for the nursing students. If you on get, Thursday. Ed, you so get like, anybody here, yeah. yeah, swab Ed, you can do anybody. And so I did the other last week. Uh, things are slowing down, which is nice. I like to think that's because everybody's vaccinated, and uh, we're we're out of the woods. Uh, we know that you know sixty percent is our is our vaccination rate up here in Clinton County, which is not great yet, but we're getting there. Um, so last week we were bored and so I swabbed myself. Well, <laughs> one of the lab techs with the guy who taught me how to swab, he said, this is how you do it. And he did it on himself and showed me how to do it. And I'm like, wow. And I'd never really done that before, but I did it last week. 
Um, and now I'm, my wife is going to turn this off now because she hates the thought of me swabbing myself. She's like, you did what to your what? I'm surprised she listens to it. Yeah. Yes. I don't think sure. my wife's ever listened to any of these. <laughs> I remember I told her, I'm like, oh, this person came in. She goes, oh, that's great. Yeah. I yeah. probably won't listen to it. I'm like, I know. I know. Like, these aren't for you. I know you're not going okay. to listen to That's um, okay. How many people are going roughly per day? Uh, a bunch. I mean, a lot. Yeah. It's quite a yeah. bit. Yeah. It's, I wasn't sure, like, because um, when... I went back in February mm-hmm. and I don't, I mean, I didn't go there. I ended up yeah. going to, I forgot where I went, urgent care maybe or something. Right. Um, and I don't know who had what. And at that yeah. time it was like, yeah. call us, we're running yeah. you to the back. Come, right. Like, well, and the stuff I'm telling you, I'm passing our HIPAA certification. Okay. Okay. So we're fine. There are, there are things I can't say. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so you there's know, enough. There's enough yeah. people that go through. Where there are people come in to get tested and, and we test anybody who shows up. We're open from, from nine to two every day of the week. So. Um, that's in the wellness center, old uh, wellness center. Yeah, or the, the formerly old, the wellness center. Yeah, formerly the wellness center. Could uh, be again. The uh, so the fun fact was I went to get my second shot, mm-hmm. and the person that gave me the shot mm-hmm. was also named Galen. Oh, really? I don't know if you know this person. Wow, maybe not. No, so no. I one of my so. I do know him. I think he had a, a jacket that said vaccinator on it. I think no, I do. This is, this is a female. Oh, this is a female. Oh, cool. So, oh, yeah. which I, so cool. this is, this okay. is, so this is, this is, this is the crazy story of, of Galen's in the world. Nice. I, first up, my name is Galen, mm-hmm. but so get that out of the way. But my, one of my things was I never had met a Galen like in the wild, like just mm-hmm. a random person. You know what I mean? Like not someone that like I knew their name was Galen. In it's natural habitat. Yeah. In natural habitat. And, so this, the two times I've ever met someone, this is the second time I've ever met a Galen in my mm-hmm. life. Because <laughs> I've never met a Galen before. Because people were like, oh, I know a Galen. I'm a cute dude. Mm-hmm. I've, I've literally never met a Galen. Right. So one of my goals in life, and who knows when this will happen, is that I want to meet a Galen with the same spelling as me. Okay. So mm-hmm. my spelling's G-A-E-L-A-N. Mm-hmm. Now that's the like Irish version of Galen. Yeah. So the Greek, the, 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 the root of Galen is a Greek name, G-A-L-E. E-N okay. is the, is the right. Gale, Gale mm-hmm. Wynn with an N right. at the end. And it was actually the first Greek physician. Now, I'm not a like, oh, yeah. medical guy at all. I'm not, science not my forte, blood, all that stuff, not my right. forte. So I just thought it was ironic that that yeah. was the name. And it, it means calm, mm-hmm. which my former life, I think I was calm. And now I think I'm a little more, I'm, I'm <laughs> calm on this. I'm pretty calm, but I'm also like very like, just like, you have a core of calmness. Yeah. yeah like mm-hmm. I, in my center, I'm calm, but then there's a lot of just like craziness outside of that. And, uh, so the first time I ever met a Galen was a guy mm-hmm. and someone said, Hey Galen. And I like looked <laughs> and they weren't talking to me. They're definitely talking to this person. <laughs> so I was like standing there and I, I hear it and I'm looking, I'm like, I said, is your name Galen? He mm-hmm. goes, yeah. I said, I, how do you spell it? Cause I, I've never, and I told him like, I've never met a Galen before. That's not he weird at it, all. No, I know. It's like break, icebreaker. So it was G A L E N. Okay. So it gets better. So this lady, this was mm-hmm. a couple of weeks ago or whatever it was. I was sitting there. They come down, they're talking to you and put the window down, whatever, put mm-hmm. the window up and I'm sitting there and I look over and this girl's talking to this other girl and I'm like looking there and I'm looking at her name tag mm-hmm. and I'm looking at it and I'm like, and she's at me to, super far maybe here the wall away and i'm looking at this name tag and i so i roll down the window again talking right. creepy is your name galen she wasn't the one that met with me it was this other <laughs> right. girl just some other random yeah i'm like is, in, your, name, is your name galen she's like yeah 
I said it was G A Y L E N. Oh, okay. So yeah. different spelling. So yeah. again, does not count. But yeah. first female Galen I ever met, which I didn't know there was Closing female in. Galen's, which I'm yeah. like, this opened my mind. Now I can meet anybody. There you this, go. Who knows? It's another turn of the Mandela. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. So she was my second Galen I ever met. And she was great. I was talking mm-hmm. to her about it. And I'm like, so I actually pulled out my my ID and gave it to her. I'm like, no, my name's nice. actually Galen. <laughs> she was laughing about it. Um, but she had a proof. She had a different spelling. Yeah, you're a proof. You actually, yeah, you proved you are, you are in fact a Galen. Um, so that's one of my goals in life. And again, I cannot control it. It's just, I want it to happen randomly. I don't want mm-hmm. you to be like, Hey, I met a gal and I want to introduce you. That does right. not count. Okay. This has to you be have like, to run into them. Okay. Th- this has to be right. like a spur of the moment, total, no plans. Mm-hmm. Like someone says their name or I see a name tag. Cause most, I've maybe I've met one. I just don't know their names. Gail. Right. But right. This is like, it has to show up. Like I actually have to know. And like, so that's, when that happens, I'll be pumped. Like that's yeah, like a, that's actually yeah. like a life. I know it sounds weird. It's a life goal of mine to meet another Galen with the same spelling. That's a multiverse. That's a hinge point in the multiverse too. There will be a multiverse where you don't meet another Galen ever again. I don't so, think I don't does, think you're living in that one though. So does okay? the mul- the multiverse idea mean that everything's the same, or there's a slight deviation? There are so many. There are so many different schools of thought on this. It's like every every key decision, you know, is a is a hinge point in in the future. Uh, you know, at, at its very basis, but that could be, that decision could have been me saying, Hey Galen, maybe you won't meet him. That could be the thing that changes the multiverse and makes you go out and actually find somebody. Are, are you, how do you make decisions? Do you overthink? Do you go with your gut? Like how- I, I have a tendency to go with the gut and then overthink the consequences. <laughs> So I make you the, totally diverted. Yeah, that I make the I make the big move, and then I worry about it after I make the big move. Yeah, I don't I don't put a lot of thought into what I'm doing uh, ahead of time, and sometimes that works. Sometimes it doesn't. I have I have a very supportive spouse, uh, who is kind of my reality manager, and so she she does a really nice job. Although she wouldn't come here today, I invited her to come in and just sit and hang out. And she goes, I have to listen to you talk all the time. Why would I do yeah, it on the radio? Not a good, yeah, that's not a good fit. You got to paint a better picture for yeah, her. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> no, she's awesome. And but that's yeah, I have a tendency to jump before I think. But then, well, we just got done doing this big trip. I was telling you, we yeah. were out in Utah. And we, we planned it for right in the middle of the pandemic. So we were like only staying in hotels with kitchenettes. So we never had to go to a restaurant, never had to do anything but get out of the car to get gas. Uh, and then we rented a house where we could do our quarantine so we could see my wife's mother mm-hmm. uh, who was dying of cancer. And, uh, and unfortunately, just as we were leaving, she, uh, she passed away. So we took the whole trip and we moved it six months so we could go out for memorial service. And we just got back from that. But the difference in planning that super quarantine trip and planning a trip that we were doing that wasn't super quarantine when we were all vaccinated and everything, totally different planning process. And yet we didn't want to deal with it. So we basically did our COVID quarantine trip at a time when we didn't need to, you know, we, we moved it six months into the future. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah. And so, yeah, it, it's, it's convoluted. Uh, you had the same face you had when I was talking about the yeah. faces of the moon. Um, but, I came back. I came back yeah, there you go. Yeah. yeah. I always come back around to it eventually. Yeah. And the, uh, but that, that very different, it's a very different planning process. So the whole time around the trip, I'm like, well, uh, say to the kids in the back and we're four people of about my size in a kind of a midsize car. Uh, we were very close quarters for a month. Uh, but it's like, so what would we do differently here? What would we do differently here? And finally, uh, my daughter goes, she's 18. She goes, why do you need to know? And I said, I want to know so that the next time I make this decision on the spur of the moment, I make the right choice. So I'm always planning, you know, so that, that's why I kind of sidestepped your question. I'm always planning stuff. I, I, so I actually had this thought today. I was like, you know, 
people that are just like, they just travel a lot. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, say you go and live somewhere for a month. And like, yeah. I'm just going to live here for a month. Yeah. How long do you plan? Cause I had this thought, I'm like, well, how long of that trip do you, are you planning the next trip? Right. So, so like, then I'm like, well, wouldn't, cause it's kind of like, couldn't you just like live in the moment and just like, mm-hmm. nah, and just kind of go yeah. with the flow. Oh, but yeah, then yeah. it's like, you do have to plan. Cause then all of a sudden it's like, right. I think there has to be a level of planning. I'm a planner. So yeah. like, well, I'm a planner for the big stuff. Right. I would much rather, one of my favorite things to do on a lot of things is not plan anything. Mm-hmm. Therefore, my expectation level is so to the floor <laughs> that I'm just like, I know I'm going to be there. Any cool thing that happens is a plus. Is a plus. Yeah, so absolutely. I think if you're the opposite way and you mm-hmm. over plan stuff mm-hmm. and then you get to the point like a vacation, if you got an itinerary, yeah, I think you build up the hype more than it is there. And then everything to me never lives up to the hype. Cause right. you're like, I thought that would be cooler. Where right. if I just like show up, like say you go, I don't say parasailing. I don't know. I'm mm-hmm. trying to figure like a, like, okay. uh, uh, you go to a beach and they want you to do maybe zip lining. Okay. Yeah. And you got the plan of zip line. And then you mm-hmm. go down and you're like, ah, I thought it would be bigger. I thought it'd be faster. I thought it'd be all this. Right. I thought it'd be easier to get on. You don't Or if you just like show there and be like, yeah. Hey, you want to go in the zip line? I'm like, yeah, what the hell? Let's go. Look, yeah. we're here. Yeah. And then all of a sudden it's like the coolest thing ever because it just like <laughs> popped up. Your expectation yeah. level is like, I'm just going to go for a walk or I'm something. I'm just going to do this. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I, yeah. I find that from a planning, I actively sometimes don't plan stuff. Mm-hmm purely for the spur of the moment or you plan maybe a major thing like i'm going to a city for say a concert but yeah. i don't know where we're gonna eat i don't know what we're gonna do that day i don't know what we're gonna right. i just know we got to be there at this time but the rest of the day is just like go with the flow and then it turns out me and my wife did this a few years back we went to montreal like we kind of mm-hmm. know montreal but we had no plans besides we were going to a show Right. And we ended up like bookending another show the next day. And we, that was nice. all spur of the moment. It was just, we had the best time. You and, felt very free. And yeah. Our, yeah, exactly. So yeah. like anything that came, I was like, this is just awesome. Like we have no, I don't know what we're going to do in an hour from now. Right. Like, I don't know what I'm going to say in an hour from now. I don't know what I'm going to eat <laughs> later tonight. And it was just like the coolest feeling. And so I was thinking about that. If you plan a trip, if you're constantly planning the next trip, do you get to really like enjoy it? you get it? to enjoy it? Depends yeah. how long. I mean, obviously yeah. if you're there for a month, you would enjoy it. Yeah. But it's, it's still the idea that you're... Your motors, it's almost like, what are we eating tonight? Yeah. While you're like eating lunch, like, what are we eating tonight? Right. And it's like, yeah. everybody does that. Like, yeah. Well, what are we doing? Yeah. Or what are we doing tonight? And you're mm-hmm. like in doing something right now. It's like, well, just do that. And then. Right. But I get it. It's kind of weird because you have to plan. But then there's times where yeah. it's just, you want to yeah. just let like Ed plan for you and just like go yeah. with the flow. Well, yeah. Let's get in the van. Let's go. <laughs> Absolutely. Let's get in the van and go. And and it's funny that you say that because my father was a, an, an army air corps navigator, right? So he's the guy who found his way through the stars. He taught me the stars and everything else. And he, he told me something way, way, way back. I was probably seven years old. I wasn't even a Cub Scout yet. And he said, if you don't make a decision to the last second, it's always going to be more expensive. And I, this is the 60s. He's telling us, I had Wait, no idea what he's saying. If the closer you get, say, um, our goal right now is to open that door over there. Yep. If we start thinking about it now and we're planning about how to go over, go over there, that's great. Um, and we can get the door open with very little expenditure of energy. If you and I just start running toward the door and we just, we're just going to decide at the last second who opens that door, it's going to be a disaster. Okay. Right? So, yeah, okay. so the, so if you need to nudge your trip in a direction one way or the other, the, a little energy expended way out, uh, that's planning, I guess, yep. uh, is, is less expensive. It doesn't necessarily make it good or bad, but it's less expensive than making the decision right at the end. Um, and that, and that, so he laid that on me when I was like six years old and I've always, you were talking about planning hmm. and I was just thinking the next canoe trip I'll take, I've been planning since I was six because I'm, every time I look at a book about canoeing, every time I look at a, a map about areas, that's always kind of going into that locker 
so that when somebody says, hey, Ed, I want to go canoeing someplace this week, and I said, you know what's got really great views? This lake over here that I learned about 20 years ago. And it's it's not planning yeah. per se, but it's just having that knowledge in Education your locker. Yeah. Well, uh, how often do you go on, on canoe trips? Uh, probably four times a summer. Yeah. Wow. I hope to do it more now that we're doing that for work, but yeah. What uh, So where do you travel to for those? Uh, usually I go up to Saranac Chain of Lakes. There's all, there's, I'll never paddle all the lakes in the Adirondacks. Um, I've paddled uh, for a day down Lake Champlain before. Uh, there's you can do you can do trips on Lake Champlain. Uh, one of the things that's kind of in my locker right now is I'd really like to go to Buffalo and paddle the Erie Canal, um, which is Buffalo to Buffalo to Utah. Troy. Yeah, Buffalo oh, to, to Troy. Troy. Okay. Yeah, yeah, it's all the way to Albany. Where um, where does that run? Uh, it just it runs along the contour. Uh, let me, the, the, it comes from Buffalo. It goes up to Lockport. Um, and then it follows that level of that, that contour line on the map that basically follows that through Syracuse. Like I-90? Right? Uh, yeah, yeah. It's, yeah, pretty it, much. It, the, ro- the the canal is right there. Yeah. It's off I-90. That is the Erie Canal. Pretty much, yeah. Oh, yeah. okay. I yeah. don't think I ever knew that. That's the reason why the I-90 is there because it was it was a highway for goods and services and people for years. So they just, they just modernized the Erie they, Canal. They moved the highway over, yeah, like 20 feet to the left. I don't think I knew it. that was where the Erie I don't yeah. think I knew the Erie Canal was that wide Yeah, the or next, that length or long. Yeah, the next time you go out, uh, if you head toward Buffalo, uh, if you look off to the sides every so often, you'll see some of the old canal structure. There's the the heritage corridor there where you can actually still paddle on it, but it's still a working it's a working waterway so the canal went from troy to buffalo so mm-hmm. they went up to hudson took that and that was the east that yeah, was the- troy is where it turns the mohawk river is where it turns and so the canal starts in the mohawk river and it goes up the mohawk river and they put in locks so they could get up the elevation change so the mohawk that was river. a way to get from new york city out go out west out to buffalo you know and then Buffalo at that point, the Great Lakes and all that. You could get to Lake Erie. Yeah. Could you get down to the uh, Mississippi River from there? Uh, eventually, yeah. You'd have like to go Ohio all the way River to Chicago. Yeah, you yeah. go to Chicago and the Illinois River and you could go out that way. Um, all these all these things were kind of designed to avoid a foreign power cutting off our supplies. Uh, there's a canal called the Rideau Canal, which is up in Canada. And it was specifically dug after we invaded, after we jumped the border in the War of 1812 because they didn't want to cut the Canadian provinces, the English provinces, they didn't want to be cut off from the supplies, the natural resources of, of that area of, in the Great Lakes. And in order to do that, they didn't want to have the St. Lawrence, which if you had a cannon parked on the St. Lawrence, you could stop it, anybody from traveling there. So both sides dr- dug canals on either side of the St. Lawrence so they could get up into the lakes. Um, wow. Just madness. Yeah, the, the Canadians were going up the Ottawa River, so they would go up uh, from Montreal. They'd go up to Ottawa and they'd go across into uh, Georgian Bay and Lake Huron, and that was the big fur trader route. And so that's when all this stuff started. And they were planning that for years, too. Yeah, it, it's... It, I don't know. I just think the, like those old waterways are pretty mm-hmm. cool. Like, when you start... Yeah. You start, like... Well, back to kind of, like, the aging aspect, isn't it, like, the... Was it the Boring Company? Again, back to Elon Musk, we talk about like going underground. I <laughs> yeah, mean, just like, yeah. I yeah that's, that's right, the Boring Company. Yeah, because they sell you the bricks of the ground they borrow out of the bores. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, yeah. Like, it's like the idea that, you know, you go from like horseback to waterway to train mm-hmm. to like, up, but then now we're all of a sudden going underground and like hyper trains, like yeah. A vacuumless or vacuum tunnel yeah. or whatever. Yeah. It, I think I read that they can get transcontinental in like, under an hour? That's the that's the theory. Absolutely, yeah. Which is insane. I wonder how much yeah. that ticket costs. Well, you have yeah, exactly. And you have to have a vacuum because you can't push that air in front of you in a tube. It would be horrific. That's every it. Yeah, every time you got to a station, you'd kill everybody in the station with the shock wave when you went through it. So, so there's got to be a way on either yeah. end they can stop that. Yeah. Well, they I think they seal it up. I haven't really looked at it. 
I thought it was kind of funny that he was funding it by selling people compressed bricks of the debris he took out of his first tunnel, and that's how he's raising funds for it. You buy like bricks for fifty bucks a piece, kind of almost like buying a, like a bleacher seat at yeah. like Yankee Stadium. It's like buying the landfill when they knock down a big building here. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's like, like hey, I got I buying got those piece, bricks. I got yeah. a piece of history right here. Yeah, terrific. Um, Thanks, Elon. Yeah, I, no, that, <laughs> that that was one of the things that I've been like fascinated on is that mm-hmm. this the time the idea of traveling underground, which is obviously right. a like I mean, no pun intended. A boring like vehicle. Yeah, it's a boring. In a tunnel. Yeah, you're not gonna be able to see anything. It's a very boring trip. You're right. Yeah, so yeah. it's like you better have some like good entertainment. Like, but mm-hmm. the idea that you can like sit there, and I always think of, um, you ever watch Polar Express? Yeah, yeah. When the little elves get on the, like the cart towards the end, and they go shooting off, and they're like, and they, they go in this back and tell them like that's the boring company, like yeah. up in like the North Pole, which, which you know, it's yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know. I just, that, that always just like every time I watch that, I'm just like, that's so cool because it's just. Like, mm-hmm. sh- but uh, we'll see if that's actually going to happen. I'm going to love to listen to this because we've been all over the place today, and I'm loving it. And you know what? Hmm. Not one fact was checked. So <laughs> not <laughs> so one that, fact was checked. So if you guys want to, a lot of this is like theory. I just I get people that I think are smarter than me. Mm-hmm. I shouldn't say think. I know you're smarter than me at a lot yeah, of stuff. So then I'm yeah. like. The perception is that you're, yeah, so you're, I have more miles on than you do. Your perception yeah. to me is like that guy knows. Mm-hmm. It's like when Brightwell comes on, and just tells me anything. I'm like, that's so that's cool, so cool. And, yeah. and he's like, no, nah, I just made that all up. But um, <laughs> but no, I, I think then I just ask you a bunch of questions, and I'm like, mm-hmm. this is stuff I'm thinking about, and I just lean mm-hmm. on you to be the voice of reason, and just say that Uh-oh. is correct, or yeah. that's not correct, or here's something that's even cooler, and I'm like, <laughs> just bring it on because it's just a yeah, it's a mind, it's a. It's a again, no pun intended, a mind trip through the, yeah, through exactly. the boring tunnel. So, what you know, once a year you should bring the wives on of all the people that you've interviewed, right? I mean, because most mostly you don't interview a lot of women on the show, and it's not a not a sexist thing. It's just I, it doesn't come up, right? Um, I I actually would love to see that. I mm-hmm. I want to say male to female. I've I never plan. Literally, it's just people I like to talk to. So I mm-hmm. think. Um, I would say it's probably 70, 60, 70% male yeah. and probably 30 yeah. to 40% female. If I had to break it down, I think, you know, what's the crazy thing about it mm. is the, when I bring females on, so I grew up, I have two sisters. I've yeah. always had like, I've always had just like, obviously I have like girlfriends or in wife yeah. now, but I've always had female friends and I find that sure. my conversation a lot of times with females, it's easier than with males. Cause guys Absolutely. have that like that, like, this is like like you're you're good conversational. Scott Brightwell's a good mm-hmm. conversationalist. I get a lot of guys on here. Right. The guys are the hardest ones sometimes to talk I to. Butt heads with you. Yeah. When I not argue, not argumentative, but we're kind of like, hey, mm-hmm. hey, like I mean, there's like, sometimes it's like so, guys, yeah, guys like have a hard time like <laughs> expanding up. And some guys are very good. Like mm-hmm. you know, if like uh, like Mike Cashman's a fan, fantastic. Yeah. You know, very articulate and can you know talk. And Craig Hurwitz came on. Craig is love Doctor Hurwitz. Yeah. He is. He is. Uh, he he's an interesting character yeah. like in so many ways like awesome stuff like mm-hmm. that guy is one of the smartest guys i've ever met but when you start talking to c- certain people they're i find guys are harder to carry on conversation mm-hmm. i find that I'm, i have easier times talking with females a lot in in-depth conversations so i find yeah. they can sometimes carry on a conversation and I, I think it's just my upbringing i've always had i've just always had like strong female role females in my yeah, yeah, in yeah my life too. that i've always yeah. had to talk to so yeah. i don't actively like i'm trying to go back through Male, 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 male. I didn't mean male. to. I didn't mean to no. second guess you. No, this so, is actually. I'm, I've actually never even looked at this. Danny, Steph. Yeah. So we had back to back. It's like I'm asking like, you what eye you bowl with. You what, know, that just screws with that, up. Which, and, what, what? what eye you aim with when you're bowling? 
Um, must have been, I think my left eye. Yeah. So like the next time you left golf, I'm left. I yeah. I'm the left next time you bowl, you're going to roll everything in the gutter. Now that I've asked you that question. Well, you know what's funny? So then I go yeah. back. I had Danielle, Danny, mm-hmm. then I had Yvonne, mm-hmm. then I had John, then I had Jen, <laughs> then I had, then I had Matt and Alec and Jake, and then I had Anna, then right. Brad. Like actually, if I go through it, yeah, yeah I'd probably say, cause then yeah. I went one time I went. Female, 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 Interesting. male, female. Yeah. So there's really no rhyme or reason. It's just yeah. kind of like whoever gets thrown in the schedule. <laughs> it's what you feel like talking about. Yeah, yeah absolutely. So, so it's... Uh, I Just the fact-checking aspect. It's the thing. The reality never, management. Never, that's the. That's what I was thinking. Two, so mm-hmm. I saw this one time on... So there's nerds out there that like dissect Joe Rogan's podcast. And I'm like, yeah. you guys have way too much time. Yeah, yeah. But they said, which... They had male to female. Mm-hmm. Then they had different subject of people, mm-hmm. meaning... You know, were you a scientist? Were you a comic? Right. Were you like, and they had, they broke right. it down. Were you an MMA guy? And they had it broken down that way. And then it said, when Joe talks the most or the least. Right. The most he ever talked was with another comic. Mm-hmm. And it, it was a pretty Joe-centric one. Yeah. No, granted, knowing Joe, if he was high as a kite and just like going off and spewing, he yeah, probably yeah. could have just ranted forever. And then the least amount was a scientist that he had on. Yeah. And he talked less with scientists. And he talked more of the comics. That's interesting. I'm, so, and I broke that down and he's, and actually when he, I, he looked at it, I think his male to female was like 70% mm-hmm. male, 75% male, 25% female. And it was no rhyme or reason. He just said who right. his friends were, whatever. But then I, he looked at it as he talks more with comics, which is his peers right. and scientists. He asked more questions and they talk more. I find people that I really want to learn from. I ask more questions and listen more, but if it's people that I just want to shoot the breeze with or friends of mine, I mm. probably talk more because I get excited and we're just right. like jamming. Yeah. So it's I've I mean people were actually like someone like went through and listened and would be like Joe someone else and they like kept like time like oh my god and I'm like that is one I've never like he'll put out like five in a week and I'll listen to one mm-hmm. or two every couple weeks depending right. on who they are. Right. Um, <laughs> so it's just like that was that was kind of weird, but but the, um, I've. I don't want anybody to do that for this podcast ever. No, 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 absolutely. I, it's kind of cool yeah. to look back and be like, I don't know. I'd have to, yeah. I could find out male to female guests. The, the time I talk de- really depends on the guest. Right. Depends on the conversational. And sometimes it's, sometimes I just want to just ask some questions and just mm-hmm. listen. Like Gary Douglas, I didn't talk much cause I just wanted to hear his perspective on certain things. Right. Um, so it's, it's weird. Yeah. Well, I, I didn't hear that one. I have to. I have to listen to that. Yeah, one. Garrett, Garrett was, it, not enough downloads on that one. But yeah. this is the thing too with downloads. <laughs> if I've had people that have gotten up to close to, um, I've had a handful the last like two months that have gotten like 80, 90, 100 downloads wow. each. Wow. Where I used to do it, we're approaching eleven thousand downloads. Nice, which is cool. Yeah. Considering when you first start out, there's like that's a level five of success. People, yeah, yeah. Seven people. Yeah. And I, I, there's a stat I looked at the other day cause it gives me kind of my analytics. I'm not, a, mm-hmm. I don't really care. Like I don't look at like, Oh, you had this many right. downloads. It's yeah, yeah. not really a big deal to me, but I had, when I hit 10,000 downloads, cause I got a notification. I was like, Oh, that's cool. And I looked a thousand of the 10,000 were mm-hmm. in the last month. Oh, so I've been doing this for two and a half years. Yeah, so you, you struck a chord. It, yeah. Yeah. So I'm finally getting now part of it is some of the people I'm like, man, this person like is, I'm so pumped to get this person on the show. Right. Might get like 40 downloads and mm-hmm. then someone that I'm like, I'm glad they came on, but they weren't, 
they weren't anybody that I was like really thinking that they were just more of like, I like them, want to hang out and chit chat right. and they might get 90. And I'm like, yeah. how did they get? But a lot of it is who, you know, and people mm-hmm. like interest level. And sometimes people are like, wait, they were on a podcast and they listened right. to it. <laughs> so it's, it's kind of funny when you, when you see like someone like Gary Douglas got like 40 downloads, but he should have yeah. got 200 downloads right. just on what he was, his knowledge, at yeah. least in my opinion. And then it'll some, be 41 when I get home. There so you go. Yeah. 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 He's, he's good. Uh, but, um, Ed, because we're getting close to, to yeah, dinner man. time. It's that time. Be respectful to... Chipotle. Um. Chipotle. <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll, cu- we'll cut it there. Ed's going to yeah, hopefully man. go get some Chipotle. Yeah, um, I might. I might just sneak home on the way, way yeah. home. But Steak on the barbie, I think, tonight. So. Oh, there you go. Cooking Not outside. mushrooms. Real steak? No, real steak. There you go. Um, Ed, I appreciate coming on. As Absolutely. Always, good time. This Thanks was, for having this me. Was, yeah. this, again, I just you're my... You're my voice of reason when it comes to all my oh, uh, just, my conspiracy space theories. That is so funny. It, it, you just said voice of reason with my name. You want to say that so funny. to Wendy and just see what yeah, she said? absolutely. Galen says, I'm the voice of reason. So she's definitely never coming on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> coming there to listen you, to this podcast. It. There you uh, have it. All right. That's it. Episode 140 with Ed. Bye. Oh, thanks. Thanks for listening to the Galen Trombley Show. If you want to reach me, you can go on Facebook at Galen Trombley, on Instagram at Galen Trombley, and on YouTube at Galen Trombley. The spelling, G-A-E-L-A-N-T-R-O-M-B-L-E-Y.